All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel. This is take two with uh, Matt Herkstroder. Um, hanging, oh, shouldn't have shaken these beers up, man. <laughs> it's been like an hour. Yeah. yeah, they should have settled by now. Anyway, um, Matt's over this evening. We're uh, doing a little working on our working on our shot and shooting the shit about all sorts of stuff. Got a nice little dank, wet wolf smell in the shop. Yep, you notice that right when you walk through the door. Yeah, it's so bad, like, I don't smell it anymore. Oh. <laughs> I came in the yeah. other day when I was working on them, and my wife's like, you smell like, you just rank, like, you smell like wolf. I'm like, well, I don't know. It just doesn't bug you after a while, I guess. No. I don't think it's a super... Just normal, like, wet wolf smell is not a super offensive smell, I don't feel like. No. It's not. Not, not like green belly. Or green belly is offensive. That's like, I don't know, I think coyotes stink worse than wolves do on, like, if we're talking averages. Probably, like, the fur itself. Just the critter in general. I mean, like, skinning them, like, how bad they stink when you skin them. Wolves don't bug me at all. I mean, unless they're a real bad green belly or something, then it, it gets pretty. Well, springtime's coming. You'll you'll have plenty of those. Probably I don't know, coming. man. It's been a it's been a slow year. Like these two. Well, this is a batch of four of them. They're not mine. I didn't get them, but um, skinning them for another guy, and I was like, oh, Tyler doesn't have anything better to do, so. <laughs> Oh, it's just it's sad but true. But anyway, <laughs> um, all these things were all you know all soaking wet. Two of them were, all of them were snared. Two of them were still like had just been caught, were thawed out still. And so I took care of them right away. And then the other two were like three quarters frozen. So, but they're all this time of year just like packed with snow and wet, and it just so you get the that's what the wet wet wolf smells from, but. It'll eventually air out. I don't know. Yeah, I caught a couple one year that they were out of the same pack. They were side by side in snares. Well, they got frozen to, uh, it was along a creek that they had been running. And I oh. I had a half a dozen snares, and I was like, they'd been running this creek, so I decided to throw out some snares. And a couple weeks went by, and they hadn't been back. And then we got, it, was, it had been cold, and then we got an extreme, it warmed up. And that yeah. whole creek just Over, overflowed oh. really bad. Well, when it was cold, I didn't go down there to, to check them because it had been so cold. I It had been like two weeks since I was down that way to check, you know, and it was like 40 below or something. And I went down there when it warmed up and had two wolves hung up and they were just frozen the ice. I spent hours chipping them stupid things out with an axe and they were, oh, they were like, they man. were a mess. Just like you said. Half froze ice all over them. Then you thaw them out, and they're like wet dogs. Well, because they, you know, when they get underwater, like they don't free. It's not like they're exposed to the air. They don't freeze no. near as quick. So well, and I had I had issues. Um, I ended up getting those tanned, and um, I had some hair slippage on the tail on one. Yeah, and I mean nothing I could do about it necessarily, I guess. But it was uh, they weren't fun to skin for sure yeah at that point i was just like i almost wish i hadn't even caught them 
Yeah. You know, that's why I kept them because I figured they weren't going to sell very, very good or for much money. So, well, yeah, kind of like, I mean, in all my extensive trapping I did last year, that I hung up that one that's hanging out there. And he, I mean, logic says, yeah, cut the skin, the head and feet and sell them for parts, you know, but uh, I don't know. I felt like I, because he was just, I don't know whether some of them, yeah. Lose my train of thought. Some, some of them will get that lice, or people will say it's lice. I couldn't find any actual bugs on this one, but you just get some sometimes in the middle of winter that got all sorts of funky rubs yeah. on them. And just mangy just, looking. Like he didn't have any, and it wasn't mange, but, you know, they'll have like no hair, you know, no guard hair on his shoulders and stuff like that. But I don't know, I figured I owed it to him to at least skin, yeah, skin I, him, put him up and get him tanned. I'm the same way. Those wolves, I I did and eventually end up selling them, um, because the backs on them were good. Oh yeah, but you know, I mean, well, if you ordered a had... wall hanger or something, they look like garbage because the one had no hair on its tail, the other one had some slippage on a leg. Yeah, so it was stuff that wasn't, you know, somebody made something out of it. Mm-hmm. it the the those spots on the fur weren't necessarily used anyway. Yeah. But it was just finding the right person that wanted to buy them, and I made them a deal. So, yeah, it worked out for me. Yeah, to get, no kidding. To just get rid of them, and they didn't go to waste. So, yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> this batch. It's two two smaller females. I don't know. They're not pups. They're they're you know a year too old. But uh, the two big males are all rubbed already from breeding. Like they're well into the rut. Right now, I don't know which. I mean, it don't really hurt my. I'm still putting them up. Yeah, yep. it, it don't really hurt my feelings too bad because every single one of them you can get helps the moose. Yeah, for sure. And I guess I don't know. Maybe that's even kind of a people that don't know what we're talking about don't understand when I say every single one of them you can get. It's not like it's not. I think that could be mistaken for the attitude of just wanting to completely wipe them out. And no one wants to do that, but it's, I guess, knowing that aside from extreme um, efforts, whatever you want to call it, you're not going to wipe them out. No. So I, it's like everyone you can get, there's still going to be plenty left, but I always, I don't know. I just, that occurred to me for some reason. I, I, I always I always say that a little, or, you know, talking to guys and stuff that, you know, trapping has a, it definitely has a, uh, uh, an effect on those animals. But you, if you think about how many guys are actually, are out there trapping and catching these things and how many we still have, I mean, they're putting a, uh, this is my opinion, but I think they're still Trappers are still putting a fairly small dent in the population. Oh yeah, you well, know the over. If you look at it overall, well, and I think even even regionally, I think it it's like a temporary dent because it, it does. I think it does make a difference in the in the like the moose and caribou. Well, just like this forty mile country aerial shooting that you know for the last several they quit this year i think but the last several years the state's been doing it with helicopters and private guys and i don't know i mean they brought a lot of wolf they killed a lot of wolves in there and 
it was over yeah five six seven years i don't know exactly but it's been going on for a while quite a while and they said there's just as many wolves as when they started well i think that's one of those things that's got to continually be done but it Uh, but it's it's i mean it's helped the caribou populate that 40 mile caribou herd tremendously i mean well, last time they surveyed it, there was like, what, 20,000 more animals than they thought there was? Mm-hmm. No, and I, I think all that helps, but I, I'm curious to see here what happens now that it's shut down. Uh, in the next few years, I think you'll start seeing, um, I don't know. I, I, I think I think you're going to have to go right back to it. I think that's, so, probably. That's my my opinion on that. I mean, that, now, now you, you end up with... You have just as many wolves when they started and way more food. Yeah. You know, so it... You, you'll see a downswing in caribou. And what I'm curious about, too, and I'm not up on the the moose, because um, I always hear everybody talk about the caribou, but I don't hear a lot of people talk about the moose. I mean, that country ain't got... It has moose. Yeah. But... I think it could support more moose, you know what I mean? Oh, I think it could do, yeah. It's just, but you never hear anybody say anything about the the wolves killing the moose. It's always about the caribou. Yeah. But it's, yeah, and I, yeah, that's a good point because I don't, you know, like where I was kind of trapping, not quite up in that country, but pretty close. Like there's wolves running around all over the place, you know, not, I say all over the place, like, a lot of different individual group, you know, little packs or Small groups packs, of wolves yeah. running around. And, uh, I, I think a lot of them depend on the caribou or focus on that, but I think there's, they're opportunists, man. I mean, I oh, think there's I plenty of them that spend more time chasing moose than they do wolves. Definitely. I know you could always, every time I'd run up there to check traps, you could always tell if the wolves were in the area because there was a definite correlation between seeing wolf sign on the trail and how many moose you'd see in that valley driving up there. You know, normal, you'd see, I'd see like anywhere from three to ten moose normally. And then a day you drive up and you don't see a single one. Is when you saw the wolf sign. Saw the wolf sign, yep. Yeah. No, and I, I definitely think that. I just that's what I'm always curious about. And that's not saying that they're killing all of them, yeah. right then. But those moose know how to make themselves scarce. It seems like, yeah. Well, and I think you know if there's caribou around, um, I, the wolves would probably have an easier time taking down a caribou than yeah. a moose. But I, it's just funny to me that everything revolves around the caribou in that area, or at least what you hear. Yeah, I don't never hear anything about the moose. You know, yeah, that's true. Really, you know, and aside from the road accessible stuff, yeah, I guess there's there's a pretty good a bit. I mean, forty mile country is big. It's, it's not yeah. it's not so it's bigger than a lot of states. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. saying that there's not a lot of moose hunting that goes on off the road accessible areas, you know, isn't well, I'm isn't sure really accurate. I don't. Yeah, think, no, but. and I think there is, but you know, I mean, I've hunted that and that area. I mean. You know, I say area, it's a big area, just like you said. But I know other guys, too, and just there's not, I mean, there's moose, mm-hmm. but it's not, not like, I, I mean, you look at the country and you look at what I think it could support, it seems like it would support more moose than are there. But they also have a bear problem there. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, yeah, like, the, I don't, do you know the Evanses? I know who they are. I've I've never met them. Yeah, but, they well they you know 
for I don't know what they've been doing lately, but for a few years they're baiting up in that country, just just overrun with bears up there, and that that plays a big deal, you know, plays a big factor too. It's something they're, you know, I don't know. I know grizzly bears are pretty. They'll they'll kill full grown moose, no problem. Well, yep. No problem, but a lot of them will kill full-grown moose. Um, well, it's a factor, about, and then just clobber in the calves. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was going to say. During calving season, I mean, and maybe that's part of the, the problem, too, with growing the moose population is they just keep wiping out the calf population every year. Yeah. You know, to where it's not, well, and I'm just, I'm just speaking, you know, my own opinion. I just don't, like I said, I don't hear about all that. I don't hear about the moose. Yeah, uh, here. I mean, I'm sure there's information out there you can find, but in the limelight, when you hear about it, it's always about the caribou. Yeah, you know, which is still significant. And maybe but, I don't know. Maybe that's because that's the caribou in that 40 mile country have the biggest, you know, maybe by number the biggest demand. Or I'm or sure it does for our people wise. I'm sure it does for sure. You know, because that's. Like we've talked about on the podcast before, that's the kamikaze, you know. Yeah, the the, <laughs> <laughs> and not just right there, you know. I mean, but it, it's a a lot of country, and there's some areas that you're on. There's a couple zones that don't ever really well get it's quoted it's, out. It's but, accessibility yeah. is why. I mean, I mean, if you talk about the Steese versus the Taylor, they're probably both just as bad, depending which side the caribou which side are on. the caribou are on. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I, I don't go to the Taylor because it's so far. You know, I would hunt it's the steeze, but it's... And that Taylor, it's funny because the way, just the way the roads are up here, it's a lot far, it's a lot closer straight line than it is to drive over. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, if you could just have a straight line over what, it's less than 200 miles, isn't it? Probably straight, you know. Straight line? The oh, flies. yeah, less probably. But you end up going to have to drive 250 miles or 300 miles to get there. Yeah. Depending where the caribou are on the yeah. road, for sure. Probably, I mean, it's 100 to Delta and roughly 100 from there to Toke. So, I mean, yeah, every bit of 250 plus. Yeah, that's that's interesting. But uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> I don't know what I'm digressing <laughs> to, but we, uh, yeah, we've been over. Matt, it's been pretty cool. I mean, if you, you've listened, you know, my... Um, Still in the process of of improving my well, probably always in the process of improving my bow shot. Um, after going down there with Tom Senior and um, Matt's got on the solid archery mechanics program as well, so it's kind of nice to have someone to suffer with. Up yeah, there. <laughs> well, it's already I'm already learning learning a lot, learning everything I have done wrong in the past, which was everything, but uh, still a lot more to learn. Just tonight going over stuff and well that's the the biggest thing is you know and i I know like i talked about with tom all the time a bunch is just having someone to coach you you don't have to be both be experts or be like an expert shot but just knowing what it's supposed to look like like through the course you know and then like you can see things i'm doing and i can see things you're doing like it kind of Makes the it it really shortens the learning curve. I want to say no. Well, just tonight, like we haven't got together in a while, so it's tonight going over some of the stuff that I'm doing. I mean, you're you're way far over where I'm at, um, 
but like what I need to do is go through, I need to watch the whole course again, go through the videos and work on the breakdown like we were doing tonight. Yeah. You know, just this half an hour, 45 minutes that we've been messing around with that as, you know, I'm like, oh, I see what I was doing wrong. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Just, just by you going, oh no, you go like this, or I yeah, mean, that 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 is that does help a lot. I mean, because otherwise, I just keep doing it one way, even though I have the video right in front of me. I still, like I said, I need to go back through that. Well, and sometimes it's a little bit, you know. Ideally, you would have video of your shot, like that you could like spin around and look at 360 degrees. Any, you know, it's just tough, you know. Like, I don't know. The way I guess I would describe it is, and I mean, I've been shoot, sh- putting a lot of time and, and effort into it. <laughs> and I mean, ha- you know, some days I just want to send my bow cartwheeling <laughs> through the trees. I just, it just gets so frustrating. It's freaking hard. Um, the, the thing that is almost like maybe a little unfair, me going down there and having Tom like spend three days like helping me in person. It got me quickly to a point where I could, I saw what it was, what I was capable of shooting like, even if for like a brief, you know, like one day or two days. And then, you know, I get back on my own and you regress. It's just, it's just too much information to absorb and really learn well. So it's almost like coming back for me and starting over, but I'll uh, I'll have a day where I'm just shooting really good and every the shot feels great, like everything's feeling like it's supposed to, and then it takes me like another week to get back to that feeling again. Maybe some of it, like I need to just take a break every now and then because I, if you do, you know, you do it too much, it ends up psyching you out. <laughs> yeah, well, and I don't, I don't think that's unfair to go down there and learn that. I mean, I think that's. I mean, I would think if you had the chance to do it, I would. I would oh, yeah. It. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I just, I think that uh, I thought I would progress faster. I, I told you this before, mm-hmm. but I thought I would progress faster than I am. But I'm trying not to get discouraged about it either. But, yeah. you know, I, I realized too, like Tom talks about in that video in his, in the series there that you know, I mean, this is a one to two year commitment. That's how I'm looking at it. Oh yeah. I mean, I have goals that I want to accomplish and I'm working towards those goals. But now that I've been doing it, I definitely could see there's more to it than meets the eye. You know what I mean? Oh, even, yeah. even, even when you go through the course, you go through the course and you go, oh yeah, just like tonight, I'm thinking, oh, I got this, you know, I got stuff. Yeah. And then- no, no, I don't. You know, yeah, it's like, but things like, you know, some things we were able to see tonight. It's like, all right, well, when you go back to practice, like focus on these to work through that. It's just something you can't cheat. You can't cheat it. No, you know, and and I guess for those who are like may not know what we're talking about about exactly, it's uh, um, uh, where to start with that? But shooting recurves, stick bows, um basically the drinking the the clum kool-aid and you know tom clum senior down at um, rocky mountain specialty gear 
has kind of has put together this course, um, basically adapting in short the NTS or the National Training System method, just a new method of of shooting a recurve that was developed by our Olympic coach um, that Tom's taken and kind of adapted that to help bow hunters. Cause you know, it's not, it's a little different the way, yeah, the Olympic way we shoot, the way we shoot is just different than with our bows and heavier bows, shorter brace heights and, uh, and shooting without sights and all that. It's just different. So it takes a little bit of adaptation, but the, actual shot process is so repeatable and i don't know i know i think everyone that's that's shot a trad but if you care what you shoot like you've struggled yeah it can be well you know myself shooting back in the past i mean i did everything wrong i mean but you don't know no you you don't know and that was kind of why you know i've i may have mentioned this before on a different podcast but i mean it's kind of why i quit doing it i mean it just i felt like i didn't i i wasn't consistent i was never getting better you know Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of i thought it was normal yeah you know i didn't think i guess and in some ways sadly it is normal no and i i agree some ways probably are that is the norm but I just never saw light at the end of the yeah, tunnel you either. You know, you're kind of just like... You think that that's all you're capable of. Yeah, well, and you see guys that are super successful at it, and you're going, why Why in the world can't can't I gain that the same accuracy or consistency? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And after a while, it's just like, why am I doing it? I mean, I can go back to a compound and and... You have know. fun. Have, well, yeah, because it did. It took the fun out of it. I mean, I really love the whole trad bow thing and, you know, building wood arrows and splicing feathers and, you know, I yeah, still. screw that. I'm, uh, I mean, I, <laughs> but, well, no, I'm, I, I'm I not going to. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go back to shooting wood, at least at this point, because um, I, I already have my hands full, yeah. you know, just l- learning to shoot properly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the whole. There's something to be said about all that stuff, what, you know, whether it's building arrows, building your own bow, um, that is very intriguing, mm-hmm. you know? And, I mean, that's what got me in the beginning. Yeah. And, and it was super fun. But you built after, some nice bows. Yeah, I've had some, yeah, but I've had some issues with some of them, and, you know, I am I would like to eventually get back into doing that a mm-hmm. little bit, um, but... It's, it's, that was part of the whole overall experience, not just, but I also felt like I should be able to shoot. Yeah. You know, that's like a guy that's building a bow that can't shoot. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's kind of how I felt also. It was like, I'm just, I don't know. So maybe this will bring it back around and. I think it, I and, think it will. I am. Um, it's, you know, and I mean, I, I remind you and I'm sure I need reminding at times that like, you just can't cheat the process. It's even, I think, I think by this, you know, by the time we get into bear season, I think you'll probably be shooting as well as you ever did before, which is fast, you know? Well, I would, I hope so. I mean, that's my goal, 
but you know, but I guess what I was saying not to cut you off. No, you're not cutting <laughs> me off. Uh, Go ahead. But I think you know, you think about put in perspective like when you very first started, how long did it take to get where you were even considered yourself somewhat proficient? I mean, it took me forever. I was horrible. Like oh, horrible. Well, well me too. I mean, I no, you're exactly right. And what actually made me better was probably doing the 3D. Mm-hmm. But there was also some discouragement there also because obviously there was lots of arrows lost in the woods. And that was the other thing. I felt like I put in a lot of time. We with, set up with, those courses pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, I feel like now I think, well, maybe not right at this moment, but by the end of this summer – I feel like I could go through a course like that and, well, I'm just predicting. Yeah. You know, but I just, I, the confidence would be there. Oh, whereas I think bef- so. Where, where before it necessarily wasn't. It was kind of just flying by the seat of your pants and, you know, sometimes you'd make good shots and then other times you were looking for your arrows out in the Thule someplace, you know. Oh, and, yeah. And Were you there that day that we had the Hornets? I That shoot that. We, I, we set it up. I don't know if I was or not. I don't remember This is that. totally random. We set it up the night before. I think it was in July. Set it up, and we, we set it up off the field course, you know, just stomping in the woods, set up a really cool course. You know, it took several hours that evening before, but we're stomping all over the place, putting these out. And then the next day we go through, and what happened was when we set the targets, it was cool. And I think all these wasps were not in an active phase, oh. but holy shit, the next day, <laughs> at least and they were, were all because I was huh? like pres- I was like the club president at the time, and thank goodness, I guess in some way of like justice, it was me that got I got stung like fifteen or twenty times. <laughs> I don't. It was, I don't think I was there. It was bad. That. I mean, it's like get get me to the point where I'm. I mean, a grown ass man like getting twitchy like. Bees, you know, someone just got to say bees, and we're I'm running, throwing, dropping my bow, and swinging your arms everywhere. I mean, huh? my hands got so my it was my drawing my drawing hand got so swollen up, like I could hardly. <laughs> I had to take a bunch of I had to take my sister. Luckily, had some Benadryl. She was there shooting. She had some Benadryl in her car and took some of that. But I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna have to go to the. I'm not allergic, but. Like, something's not right. I was just jittery, like, twitching after that. That was horrible. But one guy did have to go to the hospital because he is allergic. He got stung once. A couple of kids got stung, unfortunately. But I, we had no we had no idea. I mean, we had somebody scrounged up some wasp killer, and I, like, got put all my rain gear on and went in there and, spur, you know, killed the nests we could find. But there were those ground wasps, you know. Yeah, those I've had I've gotten into a few nests of those cutting firewood Frickin or something. Yellow you know? jacket. There's no purpose for that animal on this planet. <laughs> but uh, oh, I don't know. That just those three. Yeah, talking about three D shooting reminded me of that little incident. But uh, well, anyway. like I said, I think it that does make you better. But it's it's just one of them. I don't know. I still probably the last. I'm trying to remember, probably the last year that I shot my recurve previously, um, 
I probably was shooting the best that I had ever shot, but some of that too was from you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I switched to three under, yeah, which helped. It definitely helped just because that arrow was closer to my eye, mm-hmm. but I still struggled with consistency. I wasn't shooting properly, obviously, but. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like I would, and properly is a subjective term, obviously. I know you're not, you're me. I, I know what you mean. Some people, yeah. some people, or some people take anything you say the wrong way, but, uh, you know, but not like this anyway. And no, I, I just think there was, I guess, consistency is the best yeah. way to put it because I never did anything consistent. Yeah. You know, and I think there's a lot of people that way. I mean, some guys, some of these old timer guys, you know, they're set in their way of doing something and I won't say all of them shoot good, but there's guys that can do fairly well and they're not necessarily doing it properly yeah you know what i mean but i don't know yeah, I, just, I mean if you can you know if if you're happy with the way you shoot and you and you can you know gen, you know like i said pro- properly is a very relative term that's true. you know and it's yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is like well if you're satisfied with the way you shoot, but for just about everybody, if you want to sh- improve your shooting, there's a way to do it. Yeah. You know, you don't have to get. Well, I think it's maybe you know, maybe systematic or something is a better way of putting it because I don't know, like that consistency thing, like I was saying, you know, draw length was never the same. Anchor was never the same. Yeah. Total. And there's just, there's just, like, and there are guy like the, <clears throat> some of the guys that are, you see on the face, you know, like the same guys that get pissed at that little struggle stick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, well it's like, true. I don't have a problem with it because I think it's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But they'll, I mean, they'll like argue to the grave that, that you know, like their instinctive shooting, like that's the way to go. And if you can't do it, then you're just a bet you know, basically, basically if you don't got it you don't got it type of thing <laughs> and if, there's just you cannot argue that not having a repetitive like a repeatable consistent yeah. shot is going to be more accurate it's just not true like even you know there's well there's some guys that i think are more of that instinctive shooting style but you watch what they do, and they do the same thing every yeah. time. Even if they're sh- only shoulder pulling, like they're they're building a good, you know, a repeatable, a good alignment and a good frame, you know, repeatable shot every time. But it's very tough. It's very tough to do without some structured system. System, and you know, I think, you know, I mean, this like back tension style of shooting is i mean it's like it sounds corny to say it's scientifically developed yeah. but you know what i mean like yeah, it's, it's kinda, developed kinda by though. some of yeah. the very best like minds in archery i mean i i think it pays well and i, I think know, it, it pays just, to listen to the people who are the best in the world at shooting a recurve for whether sure they got I, sights or not there's I, something you can learn I think it takes that learning curve a little bit off. I mean, not that there's a there's still a learning curve there, mm-hmm. but if you were trying to develop your own system, if you want to call it that, yeah. I mean, how long would it really take you to do that? I mean, oh yeah, years. You, you and years. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think a lot of the old timer guys, that's kind of what they 
have done. And there's nothing, you know, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If it's working for them, I, mm-hmm. I mean, but I think there's for, yeah, just, I think it just boils, comes back to the point of being, you know, are you happy with the way you're shooting? And if, if you're totally satisfied and you're happy, like good for you, you don't, you know, don't let me be the guy that says you need to change the way you're doing yeah. things. But I think there's a, there, there's a lot of people that, that, whether it's, you know, maybe slipping through the cracks isn't the right term, but a lot of people who are like, just get f- fed up with it and frustrated because they can't improve and they, you know, you want to be able to hit the target and shoot better and there's got to be a way, but you can't figure it out, you know? Yeah. Well, that that's how I was, you know, and that's eventually where it led as I just quit doing it. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm sitting here wishing I had, I don't know what I would give to be able to, for the, you know, from the day, day one of, you know, maybe as an adult picking up a a recurve or longbow, having that knowledge. Like I'm in some ways I'm jealous of guys that start from scratch like that. Well, you, you mentioned that to me before because you were. Well, to, you've, you've taken a couple of years off, you know, so like in some ways you're starting from scratch. I, yeah, but I think some of those habits are still there, you know, which are obvious, but it does help, I think, because, I mean, you've consistently shot your recurve. I mean, I shouldn't say consistently. You've shot your recurve for... Yeah, yeah, not very you, consistent. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, you, you, you've been shooting it for a long time and had figured out a way because you shot pretty well already yeah before this yeah i mean you should just i mean be be at the range and i'd be like how in the heck is he doing that (laughs) (laughs) i mean it would be i mean i was glad you were shooting good but it was also frustrating because it's Um, like why in the heck can i figure this out you know it's like what's going on what am i i mean and some of it was obvious i think just I I was kind of, I guess, I don't want to say not willing to change, but maybe I didn't recognize what was being done mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. And, and no, or maybe I did recognize, well, some of it I did recognize, but I didn't know how to fix it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's it it's just like everybody who, d- who didn't have anyone to show them the right. That's, that's why, you know, I mean, I just keep, I keep talking about, I still, it's been two and a half months now since I've been down there, almost three months, and I still can't shut up about it. Like, and I'm still in my garage for hours, you know, stretch band or my light bow or whatever, blank bales, I've got, you know, skin falling off my fingers because I've been shooting too damn much, but, uh. Well, that'll pay off though. I think that's the. It's, it. I don't know. It was just a very like as corny as it sounds. It was a very powerful thing after all the effort I'd put in and gotten where I'd to be shown in a couple days, starting from scratch. Like everything's different about the way I I shoot, and just being shown what it's capable, the results it's capable of producing. It was like fully convinced, and so now I'm like you know, found religion and I got to tell everyone about it, you know? Well, you got me on the Kool-Aid now too. So yeah. I, I, I definitely think it's a, it's a worthwhile thing for people to check out. I mean, yeah. If, yeah. If, if you want to shoot a traditional bow 
And I think especially if you've never shot before, well, either way, if you've shot and were like me and got discouraged with it, I don't think it's too late. I mean, I'm still learning, obviously, but. No, well, even, you know, like there's, like the impact Tom has had is huge and it's not stop like it's going to be, I think he's going to end up being one of those guys that kind of revolutionized Change the oh, world as I'm far sure. as as far as traditional archery goes. Um, well, it gives you something to follow. There's See, a lot of people of all ages that it's really you know that have been either quit or teetering on the brink of quitting, or just getting into it. That you know it, it, he's just going to end up through you know, his work. I guess you could call it is going to produce a crop. It's going to change the game as far as traditional archery. I mean, it's going to produce a crop of very talented shooters. Yep, I agree. I agree. Well, kind of a little bit back to that course, I think what's kind of nice about that too is it gives you a system to follow rather than trying to pick out stuff from multiple sources of of people. You know, I mean, to me that just, that helps a lot. And I, I, you know, I'm a, I like to tinker with stuff and, and do all that type of, you know, build things and whatever but this gives gives you a very specific way or a a map to follow mm-hmm. oh exactly rather than kind of bouncing all around and and i think it just helps it, can, it helps narrow your focus on um obviously the end goal and be able to shoot accurately but it gives you a map to follow you know what i'm saying oh totally and i think uh and having been there, you know, learned this stuff from him in person and then gone through the whole course, it's all the exact same info in the exact same order that he's going to teach it to you. In person. In person, which I think is a, is a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's obviously it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a little slower learning curve when you don't have someone there to correct you instantly, but, um, I I think it's well worth it, and I I try to you know try to encourage you because I mean I get discouraged sometimes too. It's like how the hell can I am I going to ever be able to maintain this on any? But like I'll shoot a blue face every once you know once a week or so maybe or I need to just maybe just keep it to once a week shooting a you know a sixty shot course on a NFAA blue face at twenty and use that score to just kind of track progress because a lot of times your you know progress is in your or lack thereof is in your brain it's not you know i may feel like i'm not shooting any better than i was but the score says differently yeah that's kind of where i'm at i haven't did any of that so i don't really know but it you, you know what i mean i don't oh, have oh, a, totally but it and that's the part with not to cut you off again but in that it's where it can get frustrating because building that foundation, you know, like it, it's, it's different for everybody and it's good. It's just not going to be, you can't cheat the process. It's to do it right. It's not going to be an easy or very quick thing. And everybody wants to see results like quickly. Like you want to just all, I'm sure you're the same as me. All you want to do is grab your hunting boat and go out there and put it into practice and, like see those results instantly when I think, I don't know, I think if a guy's willing to just be patient 
and iron out all these details and build the foundation for that whole shot up. Um, I think I think in the long run that's going to pay off big time. Yeah, I, I would agree, especially. And it's it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt that it's like winter now, so our op, you know our opportunity. It's it's not near as comfortable to just step out the step out the door and and sling some arrows. Well, and it's probably a I hate to say a good thing, but you know I told you I went out and shot a few times yeah. outside. I sailed a few into the snowbank, and I'll find them when the snow melts, I guess. But I don't know, man. I think that I was probably getting ahead of myself. Like I said, I'm wanting to see progress. I'm wanting to go out a little further in distance but mm-hmm. obviously even after tonight there's stuff i still need to work on and you know before going yeah but and that was kind to, of what bef- I, before doing that and that was kind of what i told you when you got started too is and for me too but uh that you know work for a while on stuff and then you know in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, like we're able to pretty quickly see several things to work on, you know, not like pumping my tires, but just, just kind of knowing what it's supposed to look like. I can, I can see things that, you know, and same thing with you, like you might be able to see things that I'm doing that I don't realize. I'm probably not as, I'm definitely not as advanced. See, you're my Tom Clone, so. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. <laughs> but no, that helped just like tonight. I mean, I do. I definitely think this. This reminds me. I was going to say this earlier, but um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a do-it-yourself guy. Yeah. And I've learned over <clears throat> the years. Not that I'm old or anything, but sometimes you just you need uh, a mentor or somebody that can show you there's always somebody better than you out there and it will help tremendously if you can if those people can are willing to give you a hand and it it goes both ways i mean you know you may be able to help somebody out and somebody may be able to help you out with something yep and i think that helps a lot and in years past i was probably a little stubborn to that you know what i mean yeah like not willing to ask or well being grown men i mean it's like uh, I think we're all kind of a little bit like that. It's tough, and it's not. I don't know. It seems like just some of the some of the people that and I try to do this, just from having learned so much about different things from different people. Anytime I I just try to absorb everything I can. Yeah, and I I mean I do the same thing, but I I still think there's a lot to. I just look back and go, man, if I would have got a, even a, a smidgen more help yeah, or asked for the help from somebody mm-hmm. way back when, where would that put me now? Yeah. You know, versus starting. I mean, I don't, I won't say it's too late to start now, but you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Just, it, it, it helps. It puts it in perspective that. As time goes on and you keep fighting the fighting that knowing that, you know, you could get help from somebody that could it may not be as difficult as you think. Yeah. If if they can point out a couple things. Oh totally. You know, just like tonight. I mean, break it down to just like what we did tonight. 
those little things, now I got something I can work on that I may not have caught that. You know, yeah. I would have, I would have. And do you struggle with it for months and months yes, before you? That's you what know, I'm saying. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think just people should, if you can, I mean, I know that's not always the case and um, to be able to get some help like that. But if you can, I think that helps a lot. And that's what I think is great about that course that Tom put out. I mean, it gives you at least a, like I said, that roadmap to follow. No, Totally. But you have to commit to it. I do think you really have to commit to it. Yeah. I think if you're going to just kind of willy-nilly go into it. If you're going to um, try and take like a couple thing, a thing or two here or there and adapt them to your style, I mean, if you want to do that, go for it. But I, it, I don't know, through my, in my limited, you know, my couple months shooting, like shooting this system. And you haven't it's, you haven't done that. You've basically re you're retraining your whole shop process from what you did before, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, because you were shooting good before. I mean, that's a good example. You were shooting pretty good before. It's not like you just cherry picked certain little things. Yeah, no. I thought and it, going into it, I thought that's basically what it would end up being. Um, You know, I I thought, all right, well, because you know, knowing Aaron for as long as I have, and seeing how well he's he's become, I thought, oh well, well, and what what was bugging me and what caused me, I guess maybe prompted me to start moving that direction was I shooting all fall, I was shooting just a little bit left, bugging the shit out of me, and anyway, I was, oh well, you know. Tom sure taught a lot, taught Aaron a lot, and anyway, gave him. A, ended up talking to him and this, and it was not long before I realized I was like, I thought I was doing all this stuff the most efficient way, and I wasn't, you know. So I, I don't know. Just seeing the potential results, I was like, well, I'm gonna give it a try, even though, and I know having like changed my whole shot. A couple times, I think, at least once or twice, I've totally revamped my whole shot, and I know all about how you're going to get bad for a while. You're going to suck for a while before it starts to gradually get better, and then, you know, when you get better, you're going to get better than I could be before. So, I mean, I wasn't as hesitant to dive into it, especially being in the middle of winter or earlier in winter. Um I just kind of dove right into it, and uh, yeah, it was, I mean, he got me shooting really well there for a bit, but as soon as I came home, you know, it's it's a bit of a regression. It's just so much information to absorb that I I was struggling for a while with different things, but gradually, like, he gave me the, you know, tools, and that information gives you, even in the course, gives you the tools to work this stuff out. Yeah. And and kind of isolate what's going wrong, but it's it's a whole system. I mean, from the way you hook your fingers on the string to how you finish the shot, it all works together and uh, makes a big difference. And uh, just makes a makes a huge difference every every little detail. But you know, sometimes I'll have to walk back through my shot through like. All these different steps, like whether, you know, my bow arm 
and and it's it's getting a little easier and a little easier to read like read where my groups are showing up on my target are they or if it's high if it's high left you know it's probably my I'm not getting my bow arm fully into alignment or not you know really setting up a good solid bow arm or something you know just stuff like that and I think those are the things that you probably start picking up on you know he covers some of that in yeah. the, in, in the course but you know, I think those are things, well, me and you were talking about that before, like doing a, being able to self-evaluate a yeah. little bit, which is, I think, a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm, Oh yeah. I totally. hate to keep repeating the whole thing, get help if you can, but you also need to learn how to self-evaluate a little bit. Yep. Um, just like that, when you start to get left impacts or right impacts or whatever it is. You know, yep. it's typically, it's something with your form. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, especially when you're seeing patterns like that. Yeah. It's, that can be, you know, at times it's been super frustrating because it's like, why am I freaking shooting a little high, you know, high left or left? Mostly it's left for me. I know when I shoot like low right, I'm, I'm losing tension and I'm not, <clears throat> it's just, I don't know. I'm just starting to accept the fact that shooting a stick bow is going to be a long cycle of shooting really well and like finding what it's supposed to feel like and then cycling out to everything falling apart and just totally trying to bring those two extremes closer and closer together. Yeah. So that, so that when, you know, when I'm not, you know, when you're not, when I'm not on top of it, I'm not that far off. If that makes any sense. Well, and I think, too, for us as hunters, or being able to, you know, bow hunting, it's not like we're trying to hit an X ring, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of fudge room there, and I don't want to, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Well, it depends. I'm just, you know what I mean? Yeah. It I depends mean, on how how anal you want. How, yeah, how my, bad you want to get just with it. the way I, whether it's the way my brain works or whatever, you know, I, being a, I was a competitive shooter for a while and whether it's that side of me that's like i it needs to be perfect every single shot and maybe you know i know that it's not going to be so i guess recent since i've been doing this i've just been shooting targets and a lot of like score stuff to track progress but when i think about it and what the score reflects and what the target you know that target face looks like when you're done it's like it's definitely improving in, you know, when 99% of your shots out of 20 yards are going to be, you know, in the lungs on a deer yeah. or something like that. Like it's, you can see the improvement and. Well, that's, I didn't want, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, that's good enough type mentality, but you know what I mean? You're oh, not, yeah, totally. You're not, you shoot, do, you're not having to shoot an X-ring necessarily on, a, yeah. well, on that's, an animal. That's I mean, a good way to think about it, you know, or kind of a reality check maybe. Well, I guess the reason I'm thinking that is, you know, I know I know you won't, like you're going to sheep hunt with that bow this year. So it's like that whole situation is going to be totally different than shooting at this target. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, completely. So it's like... I, I think that's something that's going to have to be learned as well. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yep. Well, it's like just like learning your shot at a blank bale as opposed to 
yeah shooting at 20 a scored target at 20 and luckily i do have a cheap 3d target so i want to practice a bunch of steep angle yeah, stuff angles. this summer yeah so so what other goals then, you got with that recurve I don't know. I'm I know cheap to, is probably the pinnacle. I'm but. just trying to take it one thing at a time. <laughs> oh, talking about going goat hunting maybe in October with it. I probably should kill the next goat with with that thing. I've got a few of them with a rifle, so I don't know. I'm just trying to take it one thing at a time. Sorry. I I'm just mean, I didn't mean to No, it's okay. Mix, it's okay. Man, mix I'm, it up. I was just curious. You I'm know, just, just going that I don't know, that's kind of my main fixation. Of course, spring bear is probably more on my mind than sheep. Well, right. I'm gonna now. shoot black bears with my regular recurve and then I gotta finish the stone point longbow. I'm just gonna set that longbow up on a fixed crawl so I can just hold the tip right where I want it to go and not have to worry about screwing up working with two different bow trajectories in my head. Yeah. No, that's probably, probably but, good. uh, yeah, I don't know. No, I think the bears are going to, the bears are going to pay the price for me not trapping this winter because I'm going bonkers and I need to kill something now. That's and what you said, still, that's what you said when I showed up. We're still a ways out, man. I don't know what it is, but I'm, uh, it's, it's getting there. I'm, I'm ready too for bear hunting. Yeah, this is the time, almost the time of year when it, it, I don't know, I've been super tired lately, like, I have a hard time getting up, and this is the time when it's like, all right, winter's almost over. I don't know, it's like it finally all catches up to you when the light's coming back, like it's, I mean, next weekend's what daylight savings, where it's going to be getting light at six o'clock in the morning, and yeah, I mean, it's just changing fat, and this you know, sun's getting bright and stuff's right on the brink of starting to melt off. And well, we usually get pretty good weather in March. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was looking at the forecast this week. Thirty-five by the end of the week, I think is what yeah. So what it's starting saying. to, but it's starting to break and just get your get. I don't know me anyway. It's just getting me ready. I mean, you're you I'm are ready right. For spring. There, there's still we still got. Two more months, probably. Yeah, two but, more months. But, yeah. but, you know, it'll fly. It'll fly by, I think. Um, yeah, two months till the ice goes out, probably. Yeah. And then two and a half to three months before the bears start really, like, hitting base. <laughs> so we got a while. <laughs> but, shit. Yeah, it's uh, it's driving me nuts, and I'm afraid the bear, the poor black bears are going to pay the price for... Well, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I want to kill a grizzly with that thing this year. That's that's yeah. a goal of mine, but we'll we'll see. I'm definitely going to shoot some out of the, off the bait, but yeah, shoot some black bears off the bait. But I don't know. I want to do a spot and stalk grizzly with that thing. That'd be badass. Just, that'd be awesome. That's the end goal, but we'll see if I'm ready. What? Well, how far was that grizzly you shot last year? Thirty. Thirty. Yeah, I bet you'll be. I bet you'll be right there. I just I don't know I hope so we'll see, but that's kind of the that's kind of the plan at least at this point we'll see if I'm ready. I definitely think I'll be ready for off the bait. Yeah, you know it's just a little more. Well, it's closer and a little more, a little bit more controlled controlled situation. I guess yeah, you, you're gonna have a little bit more time to 
you know, if I had a situation like last year's grizzly bear, I probably could have closed that distance down. I probably could have gotten yeah. 20. Yeah, wasn't it not? It wasn't paying attention. Didn't no, he, he didn't know we were there at all. I mean, zero clue. Yeah. But, you know, not every situation was like that. I mean, I made a lot of bear stalks, yeah. you know, and not all of them were like that. Yeah. But some of those bears, too, they didn't care. Like, huh. I couldn't get within what I felt was a good distance, but some of them, they just, they didn't run. They knew I was there, but they didn't run. Yeah. Bear, yeah, the bears are like that for some reason. You know, I think, I think some, you know, I would argue that sometime, you know, not all the time, but a lot of times in conducive spot and stock country, it's easier to get close to them than it is to kill a freaking interior grizzly on a bait. <laughs> You're probably right. I mean, well, we talked a little bit about that, but things are so in, it seems very sporadic on a bait. Sometimes. Sporadic and just wired, you know? Yeah. And I, I wonder why, if that's because of other bears in the area or or what, you know, or yeah, it's a food source and there's could kinda, be a food, could be a, a food thing, you know? I don't know. It, it seems like they act antsy, like they're coming to a kill or something, you know? Yeah. As opposed to just when they're munching on grass or they got fish everywhere or something like that, when they just they just don't care. Yeah, or around a whale. Oh man, yeah. I haven't been on the bait um, just a few times when the grizzlies came in, and the uh, the one time I remember was the the big grizzly came in had a sow with it, and the sow plopped down was eaten, but he just could not settle in for nothing. Like that bear was just never stop never ne stop moving no he would not move he was kind of just you know not really huffing but just breathing hard and, yeah you know sniffing constantly i mean and maybe it smelled us there you know we're in the stand yeah you know, 16 yards from this bear but it's like th that thing just never did settle in at all yeah the, not, sow, the sow didn't care yeah i mean i've had a few like that one, well, this bear that I'm, it's over the couch that I'm leaning against it, uh, that thing climbed 15 feet up a, up tree. a spruce tree and then came down and was there and no, I'm like. grizzlies don't climb trees. Yeah, grizzlies don't climb trees. And it's not a real big <laughs> one, but it was like a seven foot bear, you know, it was a, an adult bear and, uh, and he, uh. Yeah, he climbed right up that tree and came down and laid down. I'm like, man, it's been a long season. It was like a week left in the season. I'm like, oh, I probably should shoot this thing. And it was, it was a pretty bear. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, he was pretty relaxed. And then there was a sow with three cubs on there last year that came in. And I watched for about 45 minutes. I couldn't believe that, like, she didn't figure out I was there. Because normally, I mean, a sow with three-year-old cubs... Yeah, you would think would be pretty, that's pretty, a pretty alert. a pretty alert bear, typically. They can keep them alive for that long. But, geez, yeah. It's, uh... I don't know if I ever told you the story about the cubs climbing our... Climbing the tree. I don't if, think you did. Sal Black Bear, three cubs. Whew. Yeah, she, uh... She'd come in and out of the bait a bunch of different times, and no cubs with her. But she just acted funny. Like, she'd come in a little bit, and then she'd leave. She'd come in a little bit, and then she'd leave. And uh, 
and told my buddy that, you know, we were thinking that she had cubs up there in the woods. Yeah. Just the way she was acting, you know. Yeah. And uh, eventually she must have thought it was safe. So she, one of her little excursions back into the woods, she came back and here comes these three little yearling black bears. And they're tiny. I mean, these yeah. things were just, they were, co- they were cool to watch. <laughs> anyway, they were just, they were curious. I mean, they mm-hmm. were into like sniffing everything. And she got comfortable and she just was eating and the little cubs would just walk all around and. We had this bucket of stink bait hanging from over by our over by the stand, and my buddy was like, he was kind of playing with these bears. He we had a rope hook to it, and they were tied. It was tied to the stand, and uh, so he could raise it up and down. And uh, this stuff was just rank nasty stuff, and and uh, he's jiggling this bucket with a rope, you know. And uh, them cubs, they were kind of, they'd get a little, they'd come over and smell it, and then they'd, then they'd take off running. And he was getting a kick out of that. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, them bears are going to climb this tree if you keep doing that, you know? And he's like, ah, they won't climb the tree. He didn't think they would, this, that particular one. Well, they did. <laughs> All three of them were stacked up against each other. And I'm looking at this bear, and it's like, a foot away from me and his little beady eyes just looking at me and i'm just sitting there i didn't know really know what to do yeah there's two other ones below him on the same tree so all three of them are just stacked up and didn't really know what to do he's just looking at us and i poured my water bottle on him <laughs> trying to get him to go down but the two below wouldn't go down so he couldn't go oh man <laughs> and eventually they all scurried down and uh, I was just like, get, get, for telling me to yeah. get down, you know. And the mom was like, she's over there popping her jaw, and she was making these noises and trying to get him to come to her, you yeah. know. And it was pretty exciting there for a little while. Oh, geez. I mean, I wasn't afraid of getting <laughs> tore up by a little cub black bear, but just having him like literally oh, a right. foot away sitting in your stand just about. That's nuts. It's like that video of that guy in, I think it was in Canada somewhere that uh, had that little bear that those two boars were fighting. They ended up being two boars fighting or whatever, but that bear was in. He all of a sudden comes shooting up the tree. The guy's in, like, had his paw, like, on his the back of his tree stand seat or something, not even paying attention to him, like, you know, because bigger boars scared him and... He had way bigger problems than that than that dealing with that guy, but <laughs> Well, I know we talked about ground blinds before, but last year, you know, I had that ground blind and I just I wanted to shoot a bear off and around. Yeah. I thought it was be cool, you know, just a little bit more excitement and that, that cinnamon bear I ended up shooting he that thing had his nose stuck right to the the zipper in the blind sniffing. I mean, I was inches from his <laughs> nose. I mean <laughs> I mean, you got this little piece of fabric separating you, you know, it's like, if he wanted, he didn't. Oh, yeah, it's not, well, and typically, I don't know, if he's right there, like, they just have a habit, they can't leave that stuff alone. Yeah. They just can't leave it alone. Yeah, it's like they just want to fiddle with it. Yeah. You know? You know, tear stuff up, anything foreign, I mean, trail cameras, rip them off the tree and stuff like that, but yeah. (laughs) 
it's funny the the close encounters you'll have on bear baits. Oh, but, I think that's what keeps making me want to bait every year because it's not necessarily that I don't know that I I don't really need to shoot more bears. I mean, I think it's definitely helping in areas population wise a little yeah. bit, but it's like here the past couple of years I've been like I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of these bears. You know, it's yeah. Good. You only do so much with bears. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't want rugs all over the place, and I'm just, I mean, I like eating bear meat for sure. I mean, my wife, that's her favorite. You know, yeah. She likes bear meat, but, you know, we. it's funny. I'll, I'm going to bring this up okay. just for the heck of it, but <laughs> I don't know if you got anywhere you want to go with this or if this no, is just I don't a, know. just sit here and talk. You tell whatever. me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're I know you mentioned before, like, you know, grizzly bear meat and, you know, edibility of it or whatever, you know, and it's like, I'm just, I'm kind of curious, you know, that grizzly I shot last year was actually pretty dang good eating. I was actually, I was surprised, but the only other time I've ate grizzly bear meat was made into sausage and it was good. That's what made me want to try that, try this. But I, I definitely could see there being probably differences. I don't. If I kill one this year, I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna take all the meat this time. Yeah. Because last year I did, and I took half of what half of it. Yeah. You know, and and uh, just because I wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious. To yeah, it see could be. if there's what? inconsistencies in the. I just I just want to prove it to myself. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, I really mean, I could care less what anybody else thinks, but yeah, you know, I'm just like. I'm just curious out of my own curiosity from, you know, the one last year, if I do get one this year, how it'll compare. How it compare, yeah. You know what I'm what, saying? What, what, when did you kill that one? That was in June. In June, yeah. Early, it was beginning of June. Beginning of June. I think up, the 11th or something like that, if I remember right. Up north. Yeah, it'd be interesting to compare. I mean, all my, mine have been middle to late June in the... Way, like, 250 miles south, probably where you killed that yeah. one. So, well, I'm just, like, I don't know, all mine have been bad. Well, I know like, you'd mentioned, you, you know, we've talked about it before, you know, and you said they just stunk. Yeah. And, like, even this one, it didn't stink. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it, a, a one factor that, I don't know, to me is a pretty good indicator if, if you, you, you peel the hide back and, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> cut it, cut you know, cut a slit in the meat with your knife and spread that open. Stick your nose in there. If it stinks, yeah. it's probably not going to yeah. taste. No, good. and I, I would agree with that for sure. I just, I'm just trying to stir the pot. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> that's all. I've been known to do that from time to time. <laughs> I just, I just know from, and like I said, it's not like I got some vast knowledge and experience of eating grizzly bears you know but it'd be interesting to see if it's yeah just what i mean i would love to know what factors contribute i mean i i suspect it's something to do with how long they've been out of the den and what they've been eating since they've been out of the den i i would agree i mean and that's the other thing you know if like this bear i mean when i shot it it was it was just eating roots that's what it was doing yeah but how long you've been out of the den, who knows? Yeah, you know? and I know they're almost so individual, you know, just like that study on that fishing, I think it was fishing game did on those where they, 
you know, collared those different grizzly bears, and some of them would kill like seven moose calves in forty and during a se- moose calving season. Then some of them would kill like forty or thirty or whatever the number was, just something outrageous. Well, I'm curious, you, you know, know, like because well, old Frank Glasser and his that that book he talked about shooting them in the springtime down there um, on the Delta River. I think I know the spot that he talks about. Um, the grizzly this is like one of the first spots, the, you know, the snow, because it's all windblown down there, that thaws out and the grizzlies would come down there on those flats and dig up peavine roots. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just... No. I got, I got this story and then I'm going to bring but, some up. But, I mean, I, I would suspect that a bear that's just been eating that kind of stuff would taste fine, but yeah, well, and I I wonder if what the thing ate even in the fall before it denned up, how yeah. that affects. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of them are eating berries, at least up here where mm-hmm. we're at. You know, I'm sure there's moose, and well, and some of the well, see where these grizzlies have come from. There's some like silvers and chums that run in some of these creeks that they're on to like November. Some of them. That's very yeah. That's true. So, so I mean, how, you it, know, and any like or what you say, any black bear, grizzly bear that's been eating fish is going to taste yeah. like rotten fish. Yeah, it's just the way. You know, right. I don't know how long that lasts, but well, I it would, could be. It could be a reason that the you know the bears I've killed. Where I've killed them have not tasted tasted good. good. Well, and that very that very well could be. I mean, because I think that definitely has an effect on them for yeah. sure. I mean, that food they're eating in the fall is that's their store for the winter while they're denned up. So, yeah. I mean, that's obviously going to be in their system, whatever it is. Yeah. And I I don't I wouldn't argue that with a bear eating rotten fish, uh-huh. half dead salmon. I mean, you see those things; they look like they got leprosy swimming up the river you know i mean <laughs> oh yeah well and, and then they'll eat be eat in the springtime some of them they'll hit those creeks and there'll be chunks of them in the ice and stuff yeah. like that you know yep that they'll like a big old fish rotten fish popsicle <laughs> yeah that, yeah that doesn't sound very appealing well what i was gonna say was so what is peavine i don't know yet <laughs> You know what? So me and this guy. I don't know, but Frank Glass, that's what Frank Glasser said. No, so I'm, no, I know what you mean because I've read it before too. Yeah. And I've heard other guys say, oh, you got to, if you find peavine, you'll find the grizzly bears. And I'm like, nobody has been able to show me what <laughs> peavine is. So I kind of always laugh. That's why I was yeah. laughing, you know, because one time I found, and I took pictures of it and I got to look, I've got pictures of it. Somewhere on my computer, I think it's peavine because it looks like it has little pea pods on it. Yeah, but it's not like I see that stuff all over the place. Yeah, and if it's, I stumbled on it and I was like, I wonder if that's peavine, and I took a picture of it and was going to look it up, and I don't even know if I ever did. Well, and that yeah, I don't know because especially like when when. For that particular story, because it was like the federal government or Smithsonian or something um, wanted Frank Glasser to kill basically as many gri- these those grizzly bears in that area as he could for like museum samples or uh, specimens. And 
Like he had to, he took his dog team down there and there was still so much snow that it was at Yost Roadhouse, I think when it was around, that he said he had to climb in the top window, like the second story window. To get into the To get into the lodge and stay there. And uh, I think that hill's right on the right side of the road. Like I think the highway goes right by it that he got up on and glassed these big flats. And I don't know, if there's... If there's enough pea vine there to attract a bunch of grizzly bears, there's got to be a lot of it. But yeah, that, well, but that brings up a good point because I don't know what they're exactly. I mean, have you heard other about. people mention that? Oh before? yeah, oh yeah. Has and has anybody been able to show you what it looks like? No, now that you mention it, I guess that never really. I have I occurred mean, to me, but I've said this for years, and I mean, it's not <laughs> like I've, it's something I pursued, you know, to figure out. But I don't know, maybe I should, but. It's just, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. I've heard people talk about it. I've read it in books. And I don't know whether or not those people are just repeating it. Or... Re- well, they're repeating <laughs> yeah. it because they read it in some book, you know? Yeah. Just, no, that's that's valid. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what it looks like. Do you have any, like, Plants of Alaska books? I could probably, if I, what I should do is find that picture and then and research it and see if I can figure out what yeah, it is see what they're you know because i don't know what the old timers called stuff wasn't always it may, yeah it may not be what it's called now or yeah that would be interesting and in seeing because they'd have to be able to smell it or know what yep you know if it's just a root and the plant has you know you would think it's that time of year where the plants are starting to sprout so they know yep. i don't know and this this stuff had a vine but it grew it was in a sandy area in a river bottom and it huh. wasn't like it was all over. I only found a couple little patches of this stuff. Huh. And it had little, small little pea pod looking things off of it. But it grew right on the ground. It wasn't like it was a plant that sprouted yeah, up and, yeah. you know, had peas hanging off of it. This stuff was on the ground, like flat on the ground, you know. Yeah, that's I don't know. weird. But I just I just laughed. That's the, that, yeah. when you said that. I was waiting actually, and you said you said exactly what I thought you were going to say. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I yeah walked right into that one. I mean, I don't know. That's just what Frank Glasser said. No, I, I mean I I'm not like calling you out or anything. I just no, it's okay if you are. No, I, <laughs> I just, admit I don't know. I, I was just I was just curious if you knew what it looked like because. Nobody's been able to show me or tell me. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those that just says Pevine because that's what <laughs> that's what I heard from a reputable source, <laughs> third hand. Uh, I, I I was trying to, and I don't know. That got me sidetracked a little bit. I just there was sorry. something interesting. I'm sure I was going to say about bear well, grizzly bears and what they're eating. Um. What the heck was that? Fish bears were, oh, I was going to say, the worst smelling bear I've ever worked on was, uh, had been eaten on a dead whale. Well, I've heard dead whales and walruses are pretty disgusting, so it's like, I can only only imagine what that would smell like or taste, taste like. This whale, this was like, was it the fall that that thing washed in? Because we didn't, it didn't end up killing the bear on the whale, but it was in that area, and it had been spending plenty of time eating on that thing. Because that that whale, like we killed, we killed bears off that whale for like two years. 
literally, like after two years, his tail section was still like there on still the beach, there, yeah. like unbelievably neat. Like, but you was wanna, that on a Kodiak or on a fog neck? Yeah, you want to talk about <clears throat> burn your nostrils, fleshing that thing? Oh, just the stank! It just the most offensive, vile, like literally burn your nose smell you've ever you know there was no like considering eating that one but uh yeah the stuff was so bad like i left i just had been flushing with like my big ulu or something and got that left it on the table came back the next morning it was all corroded wow where like and that's not normal you know for just bare fat to do that (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't believe it jeez but well, all bears are edible, you know that. So. All bears, yeah, it depends on how hungry you are, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny, and um, Aaron Snyder actually brought up a pretty good argument, because sometimes it's like, oh, well, how do I explain this? You know, you got the, there's an obvious disconnect on the, oh, eat what you kill side to the scientific, like, hey, if we want more moose around here for us to eat, we got to kill some of these bears, <laughs> side no matter what you do with the bears you got to kill some of them and i don't know his was like you know and i don't know who i don't know where he got this one either but it was like you know you ever ask someone that that gets on you about oh not bringing out the meats well have you ever thrown away half a hamburger there's plenty of that that goes had an extra steak you end up throwing away or let sit in your fridge too long it's like when you get down to brass tacks, that's wasting meat. Oh, wasting meat from an animal, a living, breathing animal that was killed specifically for you to eat it, and you waste. Yeah, and or, you, or or that carrot. Well, I mean, you kill the carrot, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you don't eat all that carrot, you you know, I'm. I don't know. I it super it blows my mind with some of this stuff. I mean, oh, there, yeah. there is a ton of food waste out there. I mean, I would like to say that most hunters and stuff are pretty, you know, obviously if it's edible, they're going to eat it. Yeah. I mean, most people. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm not a big gut guy. I'm not, a, I like heart, but I'm not yeah, an organ I, guy. No, I, I like heart. I don't care for liver. Um, and I've had some, like with moose, I've had a lot of. I have guys that want want the liver, and I'll usually give it to them if they want it. But um, tongue, I've been saving the tongues. Yeah, that's some, these, that's something I've heard a lot of. Like, I don't know, maybe to, not to follow trends or anything. No, I, I'm not. I, I just, I'm just. I would like to try it sometime. I know, I know the natives love that muskox tongue. Like the elders, they'd give the the tongues to the elders. That's from what we huh. were told when we were out there, but. uh yeah, that's funny. Or like, like I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn because I've never tried making it myself, but Shanks, like the Oscabuco or whatever, oh, yeah. like, I hadn't heard of that shit till, like, no one was cooking that shit till, like, you heard of a couple people talking about how great it was. It's like, this is the freaking worst meat on the entire animal. We could, you, <laughs> you know, don't waste it, but, like, grind that shit, you yeah, know? Well, I don't know, and, you know, I'm speaking. What maybe, I maybe what, speaking out of my experience because I haven't tr- tried cooking it myself, but I'm I like, never, come on. <laughs> I know I never have either. What we yeah. make out of it, we we can that part of it. Oh yeah, 
because it in the canning process, well, that all canning that, and pressure cooking wood, yeah, it just it just disintegrates all that tendony, yeah, type stuff. So I mean, yeah, I mean maybe I'm I don't know, I, maybe. but I find it hard to believe, and and I don't know because I'm the same way. I haven't tried it, but there's a big difference between the way I think, at least the way that's that whatever Oscar foots go or whatever the heck it's called <laughs> i'm not i'm not up on all yeah. my uh cooking terms and and stuff but um that and pressure cooking something like to break down the amount maybe because it's so long it's cooked for so long i don't know but it could I, be i don't know and may and, and i understand that's like i think the reason some of that's getting stressed is because it's like trying to educate people on ways to use parts you know cuts of the animal that a lot of people just in a lot of places just throw away we have to salvage that you know so it's most people goes into grind meat and i'm fine with that i like grind meat yep well and i think and now i got my bandsaw you know it's something i could easily try i should i should try it really before i knock it to be fair no but i I think it's funny because all of a sudden every all you hear about is this shit that no one ever even has heard about until Well, and I think if you think about it, though, too, probably the reason a lot of people haven't heard about it until now is I'm kind of a simple guy. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'm not going to sit there and go through this process when I could just pressure can it, pressure cook it, and can it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or grind it if you're going to grind it. To me, that's just straightforward and simple. Yeah. I mean, and... It's, I've learned this with, like, smoking fish. Especially when you got a whole moose to flip well, and deal oh, with. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe if it, I can understand, yeah, if, if it's, it's like a deer. A deer, yeah. Well, and I it, I just think it's the whole simplicity thing, too. I mean, smoking fish, I learned that the hard way. I bought this book, and it used to, it had all these recipes. And one year, I just tried all these different recipes yeah. for smoking fish. What worked the best was, like, the simplest one. Yeah. You know what I mean? The complicated ones and everything, just... And maybe that's not always the case, but yeah. I'm just going off a, this stuff is already time consuming enough to do. I think the simpler you can make it, the better. Oh, yeah. You know, that canned stuff that we make, I get a jar of it out, throw it in a skillet, heat it up, make some potatoes, and it's done. Yeah. Like 10, 15 minutes, and I'm done. I'm not going to sit there. And yeah, I'm no chef. I'm no I'm chef. Not, that's for so sure. well. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not going to sit there and slow cook something for however long it takes. Three days. <laughs> yeah, if I had time to do it, maybe. Although but, I do say I've been, I've been on a corned bear kick. I've never tried corned bear. We this, we uh, corned moose, but never bear. Because I I just used this bandsaw and laid. You know, the first thing I had was I had some whole black bear hindquarters in the freezer. So I laid them into like, you know, two inch thick roast, just cut the whole length or down the whole, you know, length of the hindquarter, just laid it into slabs and been corning that. And it's a, that's kind of a, about the most involved process I want to do. Cause I got to, you know, brine it and then turn it every day and leave it in the fridge for two or three days and then throw it in the crock pot. I mean, it's easy, but it does take, you, you got to think like three or four days ahead and that's stuff for me sometimes <laughs> yeah. on meal, meal planning. <laughs> well, I, you know, there's a lot, I think there's always, there's been a lot of stuff lost 
over the years of food preparation. I mean, I know there's this whole Lord thing with, you know, the, you know what I'm talking about. The, the, I think I do. The, the food, you know, the wild game, oh, yeah. uh, food thing and yeah. all that. And I mean, I do think that's good, but I'm also like, I think people are a little bit more, uh, I've noticed, you know, you got all these people now in the canning and doing all this stuff. And I'm thinking, I grew up doing that stuff. And all of a sudden, these people think they have some epiphany that it's something new. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And it's I'm like, like. Stuff my grandpa did and then quit doing because they came up with something that was easier <laughs> and it wasn't such a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's that's true. I don't think people realize the amount of work that does go into a lot of that. Well, it's kind of like that. That reminds me of like, I don't know, it's kind of the hipster thing. Like, have you ever seen those pictures on the internet where it's like the cool thing to do, like camping or whatever, where people like lay out all their gear and like take the picture of them laying on their sleeping bag with all their gear spread out? Well, there was, I just remind me of one I saw that was like all this like, you know, canvas or leather backpack and all this old timey like leather stuff that like looked like i mean pretty cool stuff and stuff i'm like all i think of is that is some like heavy ass junky shit that there's a reason we don't use that shit anymore because it's freaking horrible that's true i was gonna say (laughs) this is horrible (laughs) she putting this year you're not gonna take some canned some canned food in your your trapper trapper nelson Nelson pack pack and if you're going traditional you should do that yeah oh geez with rope for back pack straps and you know granted though and though i think a lot of those guys were way tougher than us definitely way way tougher but at the same time it would be interesting i've thought it would be interesting to be there with them to see just what i don't know there's no way around that they were tougher than us because they just grew up tough they had to be tough yeah um the distance like frank glass or the distance like the distances and places he talks about walking, I don't know. I'm not kidding myself. Like, would never be able to keep up with a guy. But there were also, like, like they just didn't take food, didn't take much food. Yeah. They just would be hungry sheep hunting because anything that was available was too heavy, you know. Maybe it's a matter of how much more effective would those guys be today when they got the gear and food we've got today. Yeah. You know, rather than just to see if, you know, I would, it would just be a very cool thing to be able to step back in time and just see those guys and actually be there and see what they did. Cause you never know what stories are exaggerated and what stories aren't exaggerated a bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and I think those guys too, I think that was a closer way of life also though. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like us nowadays- we're sitting on this cushy couch and, yeah. you know, doing this. But then we remove ourselves from that, even though we have better gear and everything. Yeah. But we remove ourselves and go out into the wild to do the things we like to do. Those guys, I don't think it was far at, it wasn't, it was removed somewhat, mm-hmm. but they still struggled you know what I'm saying? Their oh, normal yeah. day-to-day lives were still kind of a struggle. struggle. yeah. So I don't think they felt as out of place as some guys do today. 
Yeah. That's... You know, there, there's some people that go out there today, their losses could be, I mean, they don't have a clue about nothing. Oh, yeah. It's uh, <clears throat> a lot of that stuff is, has been lost and, and reminds me, I think it was Frank Schultz sent this, the, maybe it was Temple, I can't remember, sent a video of a, there's a YouTube series that I think it, I can't, I'd have to look, I don't know, any of the details on it aside from it was kind of documenting traditional lifestyle it's an old documentary filmed i think in canada with inuit guys you know they're catching ironically after all this fed stuff you know wanting to shut down you know them shooting caribou out of boats oh yeah in the river in the river whatever you know part of it was them document you know showing them like hunting caribou with kayaks and spears crossing the river because that's how they did it but i mean you watch one of those 15 minute videos and you're like holy shit we got it so freaking easy like this was not that long ago was life for those like people they're so incredibly tough i mean tough and resourceful and like it's just crazy to think and it's like less probably less than a hundred years that a lot of those folks have had any kind of modern stuff and you know you're talking living up you know like imagine living up in prudhoe bay with nothing but you know igloos and caribou or sod huts some of them you know or you know when you're traveling you got a caribou skin tent that you set up and everybody sleeps in and And it's lightweight in the bugs in the summer and you you're walking everywhere and you're rigging together a sled out of out of whatever minimal driftwood you could possibly find that floated halfway around the world to get there because there's no trees up there to make sleds and you know using caribou antler like splitting it you know using like a a knife to score it and then splitting this caribou antler to use for the runner on their sleds and just nuts man well i think I think that... I would not make it, I don't think. <laughs> well, like I said, those people grew up in that, though. Yeah. It's no different than us growing up with the technology that we have now. I mean, obviously, we take it for granted. There, there was things that I'm sure they took for granted. Yeah. But it was a closer way. I mean, I just think the distance between their normal life to their... And I don't even want to say normal life. I mean, it was all of it was their normal life Yeah, back then. I mean... But I guess as far as the old time, you know, the, the like the, say the early, I guess for lack of a better term, white guys that were living in Alaska, you know, yeah. what we call like the sourdoughs. Yeah. But they still, I mean, I don't know, man. It's like, I I see the differences even when from when I was a kid to now. Yeah. I mean, I know there was technology is technology is advancing so much so fast but i think i don't necessarily think it's always making people smarter you know like no definitely not (laughs) you know what i'm saying though Mm -hmm. like if i don't know maybe in some ways but in some ways it's but there's heating well it's like me this just popped in my mind but you know me and the 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 garmin in reach thing yeah. So I got our inReach last year, oh, right? Oh, did, finally. Well, I've been, like, putting that off for so long. I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't, why do I need this thing, you know? <laughs> and really, for the main reason was just to have some communication with the wife. Yeah. But that's the stuff I try to escape when I'm out there. 
you know, <laughs> and and it's a little, it's tough for me to, I don't know, friends of mine used to make fun of me about cell phones. I mean, it took me a long time to come around to a cell phone. I'm done with a box of rocks when it comes to that stuff, yeah. you know? I mean, I've, I've learned because I've kind of, I feel like I've kind of had to, mm-hmm. but those people back then, they didn't have that stuff. They didn't have a internet to, I've been working on my truck lately, yeah. right? YouTube, I mean, I mean, yeah. YouTube and Google and all this stuff. Back then, those guys didn't have none of that. Nope. They either figured it out or it just stayed broke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it was super jerry-rigged, however they could make it work. Yep. And not that there's something not 100% wrong with that. I mean, they did what they had to do. You know, whereas nowadays, we just get spoiled with... Oh, yeah. Well, no, like you mentioned, it's just, I don't know, the separation from how much farther apart normal life is from being on the mountain or type of thing. Yeah. You know, it's, and then you you think about what, you know, because we still get out, I don't know, guys like us get out and do that stuff or go get out and kind of interact with and kill grizzly bears and moose and stuff like that and are a part of it so you know we at least like to think we kind of understand what's going on well then you take (laughs) some dude sitting in a starbucks and san diego i you know i don't know totally oblivious that that has never you know and, and it's not to say they're any less of a person by any means or, or like, do, you know. No, it's just you know, the I'm not society we're in. Just the the matter of fact way of how do you reconcile that, you know, there's a ton of people and it's getting to be more and more like of the majority of people that just don't have a clue. They're so separated. Everything about their life is so completely separated from, call it, you know, they're, they uh, to call it reality wouldn't be that accurate i don't think but no because they they live their own reality that like shoot i go down to that like if i get inserted in that i'm super uncomfortable and out of place it's not my but there's a reality like out in the sticks the way things work in nature and you know up here you know because we're up here but the way things work down in the alaska range or the 40 mile country or whatever so completely separated from their life that there's just no possible way they can no understand it they wouldn't understand it and i mean i think there's there's some good not to get all like philosophical yeah, but i don't know if i <laughs> maybe well maybe, maybe i'm the one maybe, that's pushing this the wrong direction no no maybe not even philosophical but i mean just speaking for myself yeah and then I'll see if you feel similar or not. When you're out there hunting, okay, when I'm out there hunting, for one, I want to do it more. I want to be out there more. Yeah. So you agree with that? Oh, yeah. But I I don't know. I hate to say this, well, to make it this like touchy-feely thing, but I f- feel better when I'm out there. I mean, oh yeah. Versus, I, I, I know what I you mean. mean yeah. Not necessarily being away from my wife and my kids and everything like that, but just like after about a week of being out there, 
I don't know. It's just you, you feel different. Oh, yeah. You know what totally. I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's different. It does, you I, I don't feel necessarily really. out of, I hate to say out of place, but just different feeling. You know what I mean? And it makes you want more of it. That's kind of what I was saying about yeah, the whole want to just, be out there more. Or just how much more at home, you know, after a few days climbing around in the mountains and sleeping in yeah, you kind of settle like in. how much more at home you feel up there. And I think it's simple. We're just yeah. I just said I'm a simple guy. It's the same thing. It makes it super simple. Yeah, like it, you and know, no worries. All I got to do is you know get up, all right, figure out where my next water's coming from, and everything I got's on my back, and worry about what I'm going to kill. Yeah, <laughs> you know. No, I mean. It, it like I said, it's simple. Yeah, you're not worrying about broke vehicles and putting gas in your truck and bills. And what kind you, of stupid, bills you got to pay? And, and what and, kind of stupid shit you're going to see on Facebook? Fi- well, no, exactly. I mean, don't even get me going on that right now. <laughs> that that whole thing right there. I'm. I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but I'm a little. I don't know. I'm slow to come around to all that stuff, and I just all the. Maybe I just need to quit the Fairbanks groups, man. There's, so, I don't know. I was <laughs> well, telling you already, you already mentioned that. Well, I was telling you, I was like, I don't know if there's, I don't think there's that many loons in town. I mean, there's some different people in this town, but for sure, I think a lot of it that's been coming recently is the uh, very loud minority. Most of the people, like. Most of us are too freaking busy to give a shit, you know. No, well, and I think that's some of that's some of the problem too. People instead of doing their own thing, they're too it's they're like, too worried about what everybody else is doing. It's the social justice warrior, yeah, type of thing. Yeah, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and that's how I mean. I think that though, that's what Facebook and all this stuff. I think that's what's turned us into. Somewhat, a lot, yeah. I, I would you agree know? with you there. It's like, who cares what the other guys? I mean, granted, I've had my gripes, but I'm also like, uh, well, I told you that one day I called you. I was like, we got on that subject, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be better about, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna try to be better about. Not looking at other people and, you know, just saying, hey, you know what, that they're going to do what they want to do yeah, or whatever. Try not to criticize too much if I can help it. But, I mean, I think people should be called out. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah. I'm going to just say it because I do get irritated by some of the stuff that I see sometimes. Well, and that's, and there's a, you know, there's a difference between just, I don't know, like the, whether the personal insult, like you're a terrible person or, I mean, you could get as bad and it yeah, gets bad and, and, on and, the internet. And, and, and the, there's there's a difference with that between just calling out stupid, stupid shit. stuff. Yeah. No. And I think there's a lot of good people out there, Yeah, but some of the stuff they put out there is just, it, it's just stupid. Yeah. You know, and, and what, I don't even know if I want to go down this road or not. I don't know if we do either. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't. I'm not okay. I won't. Oh, that's all right. We'll leave um, that for a different time. Yeah, no getting, getting when we get the whole crew in and yeah, and it can we can just go full. I want to hear what the doctor ham, has to say. Yeah, full ham sauce on it. Yeah, the doctor I'm sure has some uh, some good points. I want to hear what he's got to say. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, 
Whatever, what he find out about his pistol? Have you heard anything about um, that? Yeah, they, uh, it was, uh, he, he showed me the email. Well, there was a couple emails. One was like they inspected it, you know, on the ammo, the pressure was way out of spec. So they, you know, tore apart because he sent back what ammo he had left out of that box and pulled the bullets and uh, they said there was some, like, visual anomaly with the powder, which I'm like, you oh, know, that's weird, which, you mm. know, uh, maybe, like, the powder, lo- whether it looked like it was a mix of, like, stick and ball powder, I don't So it's, like, two you know, different powders There was in some there inconsistency, and then he got a thing, you know, because all those, those boxes are, like, you know, mar- the lots are marked, and they keep records of, even when they though it was two or three years ago. I mean, it was they suspected that like the uh, that the loading equipment wasn't cleaned out properly or something. So there was some mistake made in the transition between whether it was calibers or loads or something like that happened, and had whether it was mixed powders or it, that's what it sounded like was it was a, a bit of a mix. Something was not right with the powder that was put in there, and said something like, "Oh well, you know." Both the load, loading technicians, you know, recommended them be terminated, and they were terminated. I mean, wow. well, you would think well, there would be pretty harsh. Well, there should be, because uh, people can die over that yeah. stuff. And, you know, I mean, maybe that sounds harsh three years down the road, but I guess when you're doing that, you take that kind of job, you got to realize that, like, potentially there are people's lives are in your hands when you're, you know, filling brass cases full of explosives to, yeah. you know, to shoot. So, I mean, that sounds harsh to be like, man, well, it was three years ago. Should they really lose their job now? But you got to know that the consequences, you know, that's the least of the potential consequences for screwing up. I mean, anyone that hand loads knows, you know, you don't drink and hand load. You don't, you know, yeah. that's something that you got to pay attention pay to very close attention to detail because all it takes is one screw up to ruin your life or end it yeah and uh yeah so that's that's basically the last i heard and they replaced you know or wrote him a check for you know shipping and replacing his gun and you know the cost of the ammo or whatever which i still feel bad because i bought that ammo and i gave it to him but well you wouldn't have known though that's no, the thing nobody no, knows you know factory factory ammo so but they they seem they did make good on it so that was nice to hear and they were very like responsive and uh were worked real well with him no that's very that's i don't know that's really and honestly that's probably the least of their oh yeah of their worries i think as as long as they were like oh oh, no one got hurt yeah you know then because you know i think he like he was saying you know if anyone had gotten injured in it it would have to go straight to the lawyers and it would not be it'd just be a mess so yeah. i mean thank god everyone you know carrie didn't get hurt frank didn't get a piece of plat you know piece of the gun in his eye or anything yeah. like that it's just a close call that uh yeah i that's I, it's that's, just tough it's like a one in a, a maybe less than one in a million chance of Something like that happening. You I know, know you don't hear about. I mean, at least you don't hear about that type. Especially of stuff very with often. fact, you know, everyone hears about maybe someone gets an obstruction yeah. in their barrel or something like that. But to just have factory, ramp, you know, ammo that's over pressure, and uh, yeah, it just it's supposedly loaded to Sammy specs, and yeah, I don't know. Well, what? that's that's another one of those things that um, people take for granted. 
I mean, they think, oh, it's factory. Does yeah. it, I mean, there can be an issue. Well, that's with anything. Yeah. You know what oh, I'm yeah, saying? Oh, yeah, you got human beings run, you know, or or even animated, you know, robot yep. stuff. You never, you never really, there's a lot of things you take for granted that when you really think about, oh, what all the things that could go wrong, it kind of scares you. He brought up a good point about wearing the, the safety glasses because I think I never do that either. Yeah. I, I try, I don't know, I'm bad with rifles on wearing them. Handguns, I pretty much always wear glasses. I'm, I'm pretty good about that. What drove me nuts was when I shoot in the days shooting service rifle, I did have to go when I was, let's see, I was shooting matches down in Oregon and, and whatnot, and not some of those ranges, they required you to wear them, and it screwed me up. I could never shoot as well because I'd get this weird... Yeah, your just, vision was distorted uh, or something. slight distortion. You're shooting iron sights at 600 yards. You know, it just, it doesn't take hardly any distortion to throw you off. I knew some guys would, like, dremel out a notch in the top of their glasses because the way your head angled, you're almost looking over the top of your glasses, but not quite, so they dremel out a notch to where they could look through their rear sight aperture still wearing their glasses and not have any of that plastic obstruction obstructed their vision yeah but yeah Uh, but i haven't actually shot much handgun stuff in a while it's i need to uh, get loading back on the 10 mil stuff i got those uh well i was showing you those chest rig holsters i got my well i didn't do any trapping this year but one one holster for my trapping rig. It's a, just a twenty-two single six, and then uh, my ten millimeter I have now. It's that Kimber, and like I said, I'm pretty. I think it's going to be a sweet chest rig. I'm pretty impressed yeah, with it looks, so far. It looks I mean, good. Um, I think it, it's uh, Northwestern Retention Systems um, makes it and. Uh, and he sent me, he made one for that single six and made one for that Kimber. And they're, I've got zero complaints with them so far. I haven't, you know, had a chance to use them a lot out in the field, but man, they fit super tight and snug to the chest. They're not, they're not, you know, not in an uncomfortable way, but um, it's a pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't move around. Yeah, it doesn't, it look doesn't like. move around. Like you can even, you know, draw on because some of those, uh, those Kevlar holsters, you typically and i don't want any extra retention like a thumb break you know i mean some you know on hip some hip holsters a thumb break is super quick to undo like those leather holsters but yeah for a freaking like bear protection handgun i don't want i don't don't want want that that. like some of those revolvers they got the extra strap that comes over under the hammer that you got to pull that strap off it's not like a thumb break you got to pull that strap off and then pull your you know where's those those Kevlar holsters and you can set the tension on them to where you can hold that thing upside down and shake it. That gun's not going to fall out, but you can grab it and like a nice Just firm, pop it out, a nice yeah. firm pull pulls it out. Um, and I don't know, that just seems to be, I don't know, one of the most convenient ways to carry it and all, and be willing to always have it on you. You know, I mean, I, last year carried that 10 mil in a hole in a hip holster and sucks sitting in a tree stand with it because it's always you know the way down where yeah. you're sitting yeah that's irritating and then uh i don't know it's if you're wearing waders or anything like that you know 
you don't want to, you know, it doesn't do any good to have a handgun on you if you're carrying, you know, I guess the way I, the way I think about a bear defense handgun, other side from it being just better than nothing. So you got to be kind of okay yeah. with that is you've got to have something that you're going to wear all the time or be wearing all the time. Cause if the only thing that's standing between you and getting chewed on by a bear is a handgun, you aren't expecting to get attacked by a bear. Or you're going to yeah. have a freaking big rifle. So I don't know. I think it, it seems super comfortable. Um, I'm actually trying to get my ass in a little bit of shape here this spring, you know, hiking. I want to see, I want to see so some workout. Posts. You want to see some workout posts. You're not going to see any workout. <laughs> posts. I hope not. Um, not going to be pretty. Take, take some of your pre-workout yeah as long as i uh, as long as i can have some you know some pouch i need to have him make me a couple kevlar pouches for pbr and the chest rig (laughs) so i can get at least you know two or three beers to get me through that hike but uh no i'm pretty stoked to use those when i got that like i was telling you i'm stuck with that, that basically glock 20 custom glock 20 build on a for a 10 millimeter that I'm going to, I'm pretty stoked to get it. It's going to be. And that's, you're going to carry that hunting probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to get that. It's one of those, it's uh that lone wolf distributors new, basically they're build, they're doing complete pistol builds. Now it's a Glock 20. That's like basically what anyone who bought a stock Glock 20 and like modifies them like grip reduction and all that stuff. It's basically all that stuff done. It's, I don't know, a complete production handgun that already is like you would modify a stock Glock to be. So if that makes any sense. I mean, I was messing with those large frames. Their large 10 millimeter frame feels like a reduced Glock 17 9 millimeter frame. Like my Glock 17 that's a 9 mil, you know, filled the back strap and ground off the finger grooves and you know ground the grip down to where it was more of like a straight 1911 angle Mm -hmm. instead of that you know real downhill forward glock grip angle and uh that's the closest thing i could feel to so i mean i've even got pretty decent sized hands and i even a regular glock 20 like it's it's a little bit of a chore to freaking hang on to them really securely you know so i'm stoked gonna put a put one of those uh red dots on it I ha- I haven't messed with them a lot on handguns, so it'll, I need to practice with it a bunch and just get used to it. Oh, I'll shot iron sights on handguns, but there's a reason that some of the best shooters there are are shooting those red dots. Mm-hmm. And you have backup iron sights anyway. So how do you like that? I don't have any experience with ten millimeter, but I mean I I'm I mean, for a semi-auto. Do you think that's the probably the one of the better going? I think so. Uh, better I'm, protection type guns. I think so. I mean, you get you get it's got enough punt, you know, with the right bullet and, and load, it will punch through a bear skull every time. I mean, you get pretty respectable penetration out of it. Um, and I don't know, you know, I mean, you've seen enough bear shot, you know, like it. It's a pretty rare bear that actually just gets shot with a. I mean, even with a pretty powerful rifle and just rolls over it just doesn't happen yeah um so i guess my and i think i've talked about it on here before my i don't know my theory on a, a handgun for bear protection is you just understanding that the only shot that is reliably gonna stop them 
right now is like a brain shot or break their spine. Yeah. Like aside from that, you're just putting bullets into the bear, hoping to change their mind yeah, or hit something that, kind of or hit something that somehow stops them. Cause you know, I mean, I've seen a little 150 pound black bear shot square in the chest from here to the garage door with, you know, like eight yards with a seven mag, not even knock it off its feet, still run 50 yards. You yeah, know. that's always that's always kind of the situation we're in when we're hunting, especially bow hunting. I yeah, mean, if you're rifle hunting, I mean you got a rifle. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, and and don't get me wrong. Like, if you're expecting an encounter with a bear, take a take big a rifle. rifle. Take a, yeah. you know, it, even like a thirty out six with two twenties is going to be more is more gun than any handgun on this planet. Yeah, heck, for that matter, I'd take it with. I take a rifle with. 180s or, or 308 with 165s is yeah. is still better. Yeah, definitely, definitely going to be better. Yeah, I struggled. I've been, I've always kind of struggled with that, with the whole what handgun to carry, and you know, that's for bow hunting. You know, so what hang what what gun have you been? Um, so last year I got a I got a 357. Uh, I think it's a Model 60, if I remember right. Um, this revolver and I, I, I don't know. I went with the revolver out just cause I figured yeah. it was same thing. Simple. Yeah. And they're, um, I mean, they're definitely and, arguably more reliable there. I, I mean, a lot of semi-autos are very reliable, but a wheel gun is more reliable. Yeah. And, and look, there's been a lot of years I didn't carry nothing. Yeah. You know, and it's like hope, just kind of hope that I don't have yeah. a, have a problem. You know what I mean? Honest. I, I think it was a little bit more of a. Uh, peace of mind yeah more than anything because i mean you do know there's bears around every corner so yeah. <laughs> um, they're crawling everywhere <laughs> but uh it's it i mean i uh, it's probably a smart thing but kind of like the in reach you know it's like yeah i mean in years past i i, I mean i've got a 480 ruger also that i've carried I but the thing is for a while the I'd... thing is just huge yeah I mean, it it wasn't feasible for me. That was, was the just, last. That was the last big one I had, and I it's like after a while, I'm like, I never shoot this thing. It's freaking, you know. Although the 480 wasn't quite as violent as like a 454. 454 yeah. It, it. I don't know. At some point, you've got to reconcile like your what makes you feel good yeah. or feel con- like safe. And compared to how safe it actually makes you, if you've got to use that thing to defend your life. <laughs> well, you, and, and I think too, and I mean, I know you know this, but you know, you got to be able to hit what you're shooting at. And yeah. That 480, I never, sh- I wouldn't shoot that thing enough. I mean, I still own it, but I mean, I don't, the 357, I guarantee you, I can shoot more accurate than I yeah. can that 480. Yeah. And it's a, the 357 is lighter. Ammo's cheaper. It's yep. easier. It's just you can practice with thirty-eight specials. Yep. There's a lot of advantages it, uh, to it. You know, and I it just... and it has you know it's got loaded hot. It's got a little bit more juice than a ten mil, and it it will also punch through a bear's skull. Well, you know, I almost hate to bring bring him up, but the guy um, that does a lot because I don't agree with everything he. He promotes, but he's big on the 357. The guy that 
local guy that does all the bear bear protection classes and stuff like that for the state um you know and but he did like i think the but bison he talks about however you know 30 years ago whatever charged him well he shot that shot that bison in the head forehead and i mean punched through bison skull said it will 357 with you know good loads will punch through a bear's skull and that's it's kind of the same theory it's like it's just you got to understand that it's just better than having nothing yeah and if it gets to the point where if it gets to the point where your life depends on that handgun stuff's already you're way off the rails on on, for where things should be going so you know it's it but being yeah being able to hit what you aim at and practice is huge with handguns man if i don't know my experience with handguns I'm no super expert or anything. I, you know, shot some of that local, like, USPSA stuff. and But my, my experience with them is if you're not shooting them fairly regularly, you're going to suck. Like, yeah. you just, you're going to struggle because they're, you know, handguns are another thing that takes. Well, that know. was that was something even with that 357. You know, when I first got it, I shot 38s out of it just yeah. to practice. And just from 38s to two actual 357s yeah. big difference yeah. you know what i mean oh, yeah. of how accurate you could shoot oh yeah and I, i'll say i mean like do you think i've shot that thing all winter no yeah. <laughs> you know i'm hoping i will i will i'll be shooting it this summer a little mm-hmm. bit but it the amount of people that probably and i i know why i mean i cuz i just said it you know yeah. just the peace of mind yeah, but that doesn't mean that if you do have a situation where you need something like that, that it's going to get you out of that situation. Yeah, if you can't hit nothing with it. Yeah, and you know, I mean, and it, it's no different than a hunting rifle. How many guys do you you hear about that don't shoot the rifles all year long? Then the day before season, maybe if they can get one in a paper plate at a hundred yeah, yards, yeah, they call it good. Yep. And I don't know. I mean, I know with bow hunting, it's easier to me bow hunting because you're shooting in your house you're shooting i mean you just constantly are shooting with yeah. a rifle it's it's a little harder to do that because you got to go to the range or have a place you're gonna shoot. yeah you know i'm not saying that's an excuse but i think that's why a lot of guys probably don't you know don't do it as are aren't practicing as regular yeah you know what i mean as they should be the serious guys they are they're gonna be yeah but the majority of guys well I, even guys that aren't serious about bow hunting don't either. They yeah. Don't, they don't freaking shoot their bows. They just yep. hope for the best and cross their fingers, you know, type thing. And Yep. Uh, but, yeah, that's <clears throat> that's a huge thing, you know. I mean, if you if you don't, if you're not willing to, you know, especially, you know, people like that will sometimes they'll poke fun at the guy that's out there doing, you know, drawing drills and stuff with his handgun. It's like, well... If you're not willing to do that, how can you ever expect to, you know, draw your handgun and when a bear's charging yeah, a at you at 30 mi- 35 miles an hour from, you know, yep. 50 yards away and expect to get anything in, you know, and so, sometimes the bear's just going to get you. <laughs> yeah. You know, un- unfortunately, I don't know. I just look at it as what gives, what gives me the best chance in the majority of situations I would likely to in, 
encounter, if that makes any sense. No, I, I, I just think, I just think everything, you know, anything with bears you're talking, if you're talking bear attacks or aggressive bears that you have to shoot off of you, is just going to be a roll of the dice. You know, sometimes you may, I don't know, you, you know, if you got your, your 454 or whatever, you may, or 500 Smith, you may hit that you may hit that bear in just the right spot with your one shot that you're going to get off that it works, or you may hit him in a spot that he starts spinning and gives you more shots, but you may get that same thing with a 10 mil, or you may hit him in the body with that and it doesn't even phase him like I've seen it do with big rifles before. Yeah. And it's... You just, it's up in the air. You don't really know exactly. I think, so I don't know. And I, I think I've said it on here before, but whatever, and it's why I'm a fan of like that, that 10 mil I think is a good balance of shootability and accuracy and capacity. I don't know. There's just so many factors, but... That's a good balance. It's a, a handgun that someone, you know, can typically afford ammo, can afford to practice with a little bit. Um, it's not crazy. It's not cr- painful to shoot like a lot of the big stuff. What and is the what is the capacity on that? What is a twenty? Because I don't have a current Glock twenty right now. So that's that's I'm kind of. What about your Kimber? My Kimber's like eight plus one, which isn't a lot. Um, that's the, I, I the guess down, the that's the downside of a, a single stack 1911, which is, you know, but if, if you go like the Glock route or there's some other ones like that new Springfield XDM 10 millimeter, is it, I want to say it's 15 or well, so. The reason, the reason I'm asking is just versus revolver, you know? Yeah. That is probably the downside. Yeah. To the revolver it, is the yeah. actual volume of bullets that you have you know, you know and it's and on the on on one you know it's arguable that all right you're gonna have well are you really gonna need six shots sometimes yeah maybe you know you might need six you know you might be glad you got an extra you know you've got 15 rounds in there yeah you know it's just there there's so many and from i don't know my i don't know well, maybe you're. I've shooting. seen a lot, quite a few bears killed, and had a couple sketchy situations. And from a lot of sketchy situations, I know you know buddies of mine. Well, even all the classic ones. Well, classic. It was a couple of years ago when Phil Shoemaker killed that brown bear with nine millimeter. He was using you know the buffalo bore solids, but basically this bear's right on top of his fishing clients, and he killed that thing with a nine millimeter. Any what it boils down to is any handgun round. You're just punching holes. You're, they don't. Yeah. They don't have the even even the 50 caliber handgun bullets. They don't have the velocity to cause that like catastrophic shot, catastrophic shock damage. Yeah, like or a high power rifle like, would. You know, like you know, and I if we're talking, you know, strictly like all right, charging bear situation. A 375 is like kind of the minimum of what I'd start to be considering, you know. But something's going to drop Something it. comfortable. And, uh, and I you know, no handgun even comes close. Comes to close. Yeah. Not even remotely close to that. You know, all you're doing is punching holes and hoping you hit the right thing. So, I don't know. I'm just pretty firmly on the, the, uh, the use what you can hit your 
what you're willing to practice with can carry, you know, and I, I don't know, most of the factors, I'm just talking in circles here, but I think mo- the most important factors probably don't even have to do with what caliber it is. It's, are you going to have the gun on you all the, is it a gun that you're able to carry and have accessible like all the time when you're out in the sticks? Yeah. Well, and that's because if you don't have it on you and accessible, you're not going to use it to save your. Well, that's like that, your four, life. that 480. I mean, I found it in my backpack more than I found it actually on my. Yeah, it's like people keeping eight, bear spray. You know, if you yeah. keep your bear spray in your backpack, and you're, it's not doing you any good. No. no, you know, if you get a, there's some situations where you may have time to get to it, but the majority of stuff where you surprise a bear or something like that, it's. You're not going to have time. Half the time, half the time, you're not going to have time anyway. You're you're just just going to be toast. Just drawing your your uh, a pistol. Yeah, you know, I had a buddy get charged. Same thing. He barely got his pistol out to get a shot off for it. Knocked him to the ground. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, didn't maul him. Just knocked him down as it ran basically by. Yeah, it was a sow with a cub and. You know, he got two shots off with his forty four, but he goes, I didn't have time to aim. Yeah. Literally, it was just pull the gun out and kind of hope for the best, like you were talking, you know. Oh, yeah. Every situation is going to be a little different, but. um, Yeah, I mean, there's, well, there was that guy, at least what I read on it, that this guy down in New Mexico that, you know, long story, basically ended up getting chewed on a little bit by this black bear. Bear charged him, but he had grabbed a. He grabbed a 10 mil, which is, there's a guy or two out there that has used this as, like, to discount the 10 mil. But I think he had, he had like, the Hornady critical duty rounds, which just hollow points. And uh, Bear charged him, and I think he hit it. I think he hit it once or twice, and it still, like, knocked him down, got a hold of his leg. They're rolling down the hill, but he managed to hang on to his gun and then kill, you know, shot, I I can't maybe might be misquoting. I want to say he shot the bear in the head, but he killed the bear. And uh, you know, yeah, he got he did get messed up a little, but he's it was a gun he was able to hang on to and and kind of finish the job. He's still alive. That counts for something, right? Yeah. So they tried to use that to discredit the two well, millimeter. I mean, yeah, just because just he, because it didn't stop that bear in time. That's what it it boils down to. Is there's always going to be a you know, there's like no, there's no certain terms on anything really, aside from every, every encounter is going to be different and you can't bank on anything going the way you want it to or plan yeah. on it. It's just a roll of the dice and what gives you the best option. And for me, that's something that I'm likely to have on me and that I can shoot quick and get the most bullets on target that I can. Yeah. So, no, that makes know. No, that makes makes sense. Like I said, I I just heard a lot of stories with people um, think that they have a big handgun, but they can't shoot it. You know, and it's just oh yeah, that's and that's it, that's typical. And it's I mean, I, and I, I most, doubt it. Most people, like most people, if you asked them, what would you rather? You know, if you got a grizzly bear charging you, what would you rather have? You know. 308 or 30 out six or 44 mag like there's a lot of people that are going to take the 44, 44 mag, mag yeah when it's not near the gun that even a 308 is with you know decent bullets yeah you know it's 
I don't know. A lot, a lot of it's just like, you know, if it gives you the warm and fuzzies to have something big on your hip, I guess, okay. But, you know, you kind of, I don't know, in my experience, it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. If, if all I got's a handgun to deal with anything, it's, well, and the, the actual, feels pretty, feels like a BB gun. <laughs> the actual amount of times that you're you're actually going to use that are probably pretty slim anyway i've only used mine one time and i should and i should have i should have had my rifle and it was a bear that had already been shot with a bow and i wrecked my 375 and i thought was dead coming back to it stood up wasn't dead (laughs) yeah i mean you learn from those experiences but i don't know i I just think that, I guess where I'm going with this is the amount of, you know, the chances that you're actually going to have to use that are pretty slim. Yeah. But you need to be proficient enough to yeah. execute yeah. if you need to. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'd be- say whatever you, whatever method, whether it's bear spray or whatever you want to, you know, choose to use, you you be need used, to be, yeah, proficient, be with proficient with it. With it. Whatever know, whether it is. It's, whether it's a... You know, if you can, if you can freaking handle a, a casual and, you know, I don't Yeah, there's probably if, guys if, that can, but. If guys I, that I can, would, you know. I don't think that's the vast majority, though. No. The, uh, you know, if you're willing, if you can do it, more power to you, more bigger is better, right? Although, it's just, I don't know, with hand, there, it's still a handgun. It's not that much better. Yeah. Well, I was a little surprised with the, like, ballistics on a that 480. I mean, when I bought that, I didn't really know what the heck. Yeah, it's just like, oh, it's big. It's I got to have it. That's yeah, why I bought but, mine, yeah. But, but it's the same thing. I mean, it's uh, – or the, the, the ballistics on it aren't that – I don't think that impressive. No. It's really. Not, it's a it's, pretty it's, slow It's carpet. slow, but it yeah. can shoot a pretty heavy bullet. I mean – Yeah. So you're just punching big holes. Yeah. That's all. You know, you get a little bit more penetration out of a lot of those, like, you know, the big – big handguns with hard casts, but you're just punching hole, you know, maybe in some way it, you know, you get more penetration. So maybe it gives you a little bit better chance on a given shot to hit this bone or that bone and change their mind or stop. But at that point, you're so far in the weeds on, on chances that, you know, probably not for me, you know, no. and it's not, it's not a situation for me in. as much as anything. It's the carry and practice with them that, just how uncomfortable they are for me to carry doing the kind of stuff we're doing. You know, that's, we're not out there to be John Wayne and carry this gun around. Yeah, in the or woods. you're, or you're not, I mean, I think if you're handgun hunting, that's a whole different thing. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that's a different ball game. Um, but as for, far as like a defensive, say, for, what we're doing for a defensive different. handgun, you're not out there to be John Wayne, you know, looking cool, carrying this around out in the woods. You're, wanting to do other stuff whether you're glassing or packing or setting up camp or splitting wood in camp or going down to get water or you know well even i, I mean you just, know what i'm saying yeah like, well this this brings up a uh thing that happened to me and my wife on a sheep hunt the time we had the bear right at yeah our tent i mean stupid rifle I didn't even have a pistol because we had two rifles. You yeah. Pull them strapped to the backpacks. Yeah. And I got a grizzly bear 15 feet away from me just looking at me. 
you know? Yeah. And same, you know, like you're talking about going and getting water or something like that. There's a lot of, and myself included, there's been times that I don't, I don't take anything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. You know, water, even, all right, your water's, you know, you get water 50 yards from the tent. Why would you take a rifle over there when all, you know, you know how them critters can appear sometimes out of nowhere. That's why I bring that up, because that's exactly what had happened on that time. I mean, that thing came out of nowhere, never knew it was there. I looked up, I turned around and looked up, and he is there. Yeah. Never heard a sound. And I mean, and he's literally, he's from here to the end of your workbench. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, right there. And he wasn't like aggressive, but he wasn't scared either. Yeah. And I shot three times with thirty out six in the ground and two shots he didn't even flinch. The third shot he ran off, but he didn't want to leave. He tried yeah. coming back. Jeez. You know what I mean? That's the ones that that's what the ones that start making you making me nervous is there when they after something like, and it's debatable on even there, I know a couple guys that will not give them warning shots because they'll give them a warning shot right between the eyes if they feel like they got to shoot. Because well, one guy got charged at the, you know, shot a warning shot in the dirt and uh, got charged and barely got another one in, you know, before he was on that him. bear was on him. Yeah. Well, like this particular one, I mean, I the thought crossed my mind because I didn't mm-hmm. know how much I wanted to deal with it, but yeah, it, it was out of season, you know. So yeah. it it's had, one you're gonna your hunts toast because you got to yeah. skin this bear out and pack it out. Yeah, and I well, and I didn't want to pack this yeah. thing out 14 miles either, yeah. you know. I was exactly, like, I'm not doing it. So it was just kind of like, hopefully, I'm gonna be able to scare it off and it'll leave. Yep, you know. But I was worried. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was worried that night because I figured he was going to come back because just the way the thing acted. Yeah, I got it, was, it. it was just a young. It was a young grizzly bear. Yeah. It just I don't know. Yeah, didn't have there's, that fear in him yet. There's been a couple over the years that were, I don't know. It's getting getting ready to go to bed, and you see him there. You know, six hundred yards away. You know, just across the valley, up on the side of the hill, and you're like, I know when I. There's been a couple of them that all, you know, wait till they get a big rock about 20 feet away from them and just slam a bullet right into that rock just to get them run out of the country so they don't, I don't know, there's just been too many times where you don't do something like that and they end up getting curious and sniffing around. Well, they're active. They're active at those times of night. That's when they're getting, that's when they're getting going is when you're going to bed. Yep. Yeah, we've had a few experiences like that, but. I don't know. Like I say, I don't think it's something that you got to worry about too much. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and there's all, there's always exceptions. There's unfortunately, you know, like I guess, well, down in that guy down in Wyoming that got killed this mm-hmm. last year, I heard, well, he had a, a Glock 10 mil on him, but I want to say there was nothing in the chamber. You know, I, I don't know. I wasn't there, so I don't know all how that all went down. Unfortunately, there's just going to be times when the bear gets you. Well, that's with anything. You you just just never know. Just got to do what gives you. It's easy to look in the rearview mirror and kind of say, oh, well, if I would have done this, but, well, what if the bear had done something different? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's just, I don't know, I just kind of laugh with the amount of uh, people that, I don't know. I hate to say you're scared of bears, but 
Well, there's a lot of people that are pretty. No, they are terrified. And I, and, of I, and I, I mean, maybe my tune would change if I got chewed on by one. You know, but well, mo- I mo- most know, pe- I know a couple people that have got got well, knocked around and chewed on by them, and they're not as scared of bear. You know, I don't, it just depends on the. There's some people that. I think if you're already scared of bears and you get chewed on them, you're going to be horrified of oh, bears. Oh, sure. And yeah. If you're kind of like you or me, you, I don't know, you just, you know, I like to think anyway. I imagine if you were, you know, take me out of the equation, I imagine if you got chewed on a bear, you would be like, well, that kind of, that sucks, but you kind of see it for what it is more than, than what you fear, yeah. I think. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know, I guess that's a long way to go around between... Go go around about about the subject, but I am stoked to try out those or use those that chest holster this year. I think no, it it's looks be, it looks sweet. It, I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how it all works out. Yeah, I've looked, hopefully, I'll never you know. Ideally, I'll never have to use it. <laughs> no, no, and I mean, I don't I don't think you probably ever but will. But working it, you know, trying. I think it'll work, and I've heard you know that style works good with a bino harness. You know, underneath the bino harness, I'll have to kind of fine tune all that stuff as you do, just to you know not bury not bury the yeah. thing. But uh, well, I mean, I don't know what other options you really have besides you know you got the hip. Well, it's a you know option, you're, but you're you, if you get your pack on. Yep, it's either on your backpack or it's on your hip. You can't have both. You know, you can't you know wear your backpack really with it on your hip, yeah. if unless it's on your pack, and then. What are you going to do? Carry two different holsters anytime you don't have your pack on. Carry the gun around. It's just not not practical. So no. that's something that I think. And even some of the, I just like that that chest feel even better than like the old you know the different shoulder holsters and stuff where you're really cross cross drawn cross drawn. Yeah. It's a lot more motion where you know that's just right here. And, you know, of course, you're going to carry it hot, too. You're just, you don't carry a gun that's yeah, not not, ready to, not ready to go. You know, it's real. And really, it's a lot of it's the, a lot of it's in your head. It's, it's just car- carrying a gun for defensive purposes is a lot different than, than your hunting rifle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me nervous, you know, the way gun and a holster's point and of course you know you carry it inside the waistband you know appendix carry you get you just get used to a loaded pistol pointed at your nuts you know and <laughs> yeah. you don't treat it lightly like you you know you you're very careful with not to say you get lackadaisical yeah but it is it's a safe way to carry it yeah you know so like i i, I think that's going to be pretty slick i did i do have a leather I don't want to do with I had I was carrying that thing in a leather chest rig that I had last year, but it had one of those pull tabs that you gotta pull off to get the to get the gun out. Get the gun out. So I'm pretty stoked to try this. But No, that's what's pretty cool with those Kydex ones, just the way they that retention or whatever, how you can adjust that. To, oh yeah. And you it, don't have to mess you know like so many times you know, you pull that gun out of the leather holster every time you Every night, you know, you get home, take it out, and it's got condensation and yeah, and stuff true. on it because that leather will hold moisture. Will hold stuff. moisture. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a minor factor. If you like leather, you do. But that Kydex is pretty sweet in them. Well, it's probably a little lighter too. Yeah, as far as weight and 
Yeah, and it, I don't know, just doesn't get as grungy, you know, that leather. You get all nasty, and it gets wet, and I don't know. Yeah, I'm just not much of a leather guy, I guess. I don't know. It looks cool. It does look cool. I think it looks freaking sweet, but the pra- the practical side is going to be yeah. where I think it comes well, in handy. I know that the... the the one for that twenty two is going to be slick because I was had just one of those junky like old mics. It was actually oh, probably yeah. my four eighty shoulder holster, <laughs> you know, old like cheap shoulder holster that I kept that twenty two pistol in under all my coats and it's always chafing and flopping around. And that thing, you know, I can just have it right on my chest. So if you got to dispatch something, you just you know zip the coat down and. I kind of quit carrying. I don't even carry my twenty two on my body anymore i there's an argument now for carrying you on the trap line carrying a 10 miller 357 on your chest like that because you're arguably more more likely to get stomped by a freaking moose on the trail in the the winter than you're than you're (laughs) than you're likely to get chewed on by a grizzly bear in all seriousness no you probably yeah actually percentage wise you probably are you're you know Moose are freaking dangerous animals, especially in the winter. Like this time of year, yeah. After you know, we've got a pretty decent amount of snow, and they're tired and wore out, and ate a lot of their food up. And the snow's deep, so they get on the trip. You know, you you come, or, you know, and it's not even. We're not even talking like some of those videos where people are following them for a ways, or you know. And I don't know, that's a whole different can of worms. Well, I had that happen last but you, year. You know, they, they won't get off the trail or you come around the corner and they're on the trail and they get all hackled up and, you know, I mean, people get, it's been a while since I've heard of a person getting, but people get stomped to death by moose. Oh, yeah. That for sure. Yeah, that one, we were going down pike fishing yeah. last year and we had one on the trail and he, that thing would not get off. I mean, it was, it would blow yeah. on top of the hill and off the side of the trail man it was just deep and you could tell that moose did not want to i mean yeah. it was it was shoulder deep on the moose yeah and we kind of without pushing it too hard just kind of kept easing up easing Nudging up, easing up yeah. and, but the thing every once in a while he'd stop and same thing hair would stand up on its back and it would look at you you know and it's like all right don't get any closer lay the ears you, back you know and yeah and it'd be like okay we gotta wait let him decide what he's gonna do yeah and it's like you know and you know, sometimes it's, you're not harassed, you're not, you're just trying to get down the trail, but yeah. they won't leave. Yeah. And eventually he found a spot that he was comfortable yeah, and with that's, getting off. And but. I think that's what most people try to do is you just, all right, kind of move along and get to a spot where they're comfortable to get off and let you by. But every once in a while, you're going to have that moose that decides he ain't having none of your shit and you got, you got to shoot him. You yeah. Know? Well, I don't care. I don't care what you think either. Like you're on a snow machine, that that moose is going to demolish. Oh, you ain't. Yeah, you, you don't stand a chance even on your snow machine. No, you, you know, don't. I don't like, think. Especially you know on a trail like that. Like hey, there's a reason that moose is standing on the trail. It's not like you can just bebop around them. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work. You know, in that situation, it's like that for a reason. So it's not like oh oh yeah, just turn around and run away. No, it doesn't work like that. No. No. You know, if you're you're at the point where that thing's going to come start clobbering you and your sled and who knows what else, you know, it's unfortunate I haven't had to do it, but. Yeah, I've ne- the only time I've had that one was last year. I've never had one. I've on had a couple close line. calls where I'm like, I'm going to 
put this in reverse and I'm always leery of that. Oh yeah, you know, cuz I have come across them and most of the time they do they get off right off the trail, but it's always in the back of your mind. There was you one know, that big bull I did came around the corner on on a slough, an old slough I was running back. Came around the corner and he's just standing there in the middle of it like 20 yards away and I'm like, <laughs> you know, he wasn't being super aggressive or nothing, but I was like, I'll just throw this in reverse and <laughs> yeah, kind of leave, give get, him some get, space, get turned around here. Yeah, but <laughs> oh well, we better we better call this a night, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's been fun and uh, always good catching up with you, and we'll uh, have to stay in touch on our working on our shots. We're getting getting closer and closer to spring. We can start getting outside a little bit, but. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that for sure. And one of these days, we'll actually have some fresh dead animals to talk about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're kind of, tonight, I think we're grasping at straws, but no, that's all big right. time, yeah. <laughs> oh, that one time I killed something, but... No, that's that's cool. I, I don't mind. I, I enjoy coming over and just hanging out and, you know, whatever we talk about, we talk about. Yeah, that's kind of I mean, the way it goes, so... <laughs> yeah, like I said, the shooting part, I'm looking forward to progressing along on that and and uh oh yeah i think you're gonna be i think you'll be plenty ready to hunt by springtime it's just yeah you're doing good like and we'll you know like i said we'll kind of link back keep keep in touch i say we'll keep in touch we already do so yeah. we'll figure it out and uh yeah, looking forward to it and i think you'll be pretty quickly make it to as good as you ever were before i mean Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, I think you will. I'm sure I will be, but like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be in it for the long haul this time, and I'm not. I'm still not giving up the compound just yet, but not totally. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We'll we'll see. I'm still sheep hunting with the compound this year. No, I can't but. blame you there because I'm probably not going to kill one. But <laughs> oh, dude, I don't know. No, you, I, no, I'm gonna. In all I'm, seriousness, like I mean, I know the odds, but I'm. I'm going to, maybe from, maybe I'll just say from here on out, I'll just be, be arrogant about it and just say that I'm going to do it. Just positive thinking, right? Well, yeah, if you're positive <laughs> about it, you got to, you got to sit here and, uh, visualize. Visualization and like positive attitude. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how all that stuff goes, but <laughs> there's only one I way mean, to do it. And that's, there's, there's a little bit to that, but I, you know, I, I, I think just, it's just that mental, it's a mental game. Oh yeah, you not know, not for sure. Sight, you know, not getting so totally psyched out that I think that you know maybe I think I was talking I was talking about this with, but not psyching myself out so much with knowing the odds that I get too afraid to take chances and yeah. stuff like that, and just you know kind of don't want to do anything stupid, but got to be patient, but not you can't kill a sheep if you don't ever stock one That's type right. of thing. That's right. You know you. You gotta, I don't know. I've made that. Get out there and do it. That's the only way it's gonna happen. It it took me forever to kill a moose with my bow for that exact reason. Yeah. Because it's like always afraid to make a move or make a mistake. Yep. I just think you just gotta do it. And if it doesn't work out, don't work out. You just do the next one. Yep. And sometimes, man, guys that push the issue, sometimes you can get away with stuff you never dreamed you could. Yeah, more than you think. You know, and it it just throws only, you just gotta try. I saw that Aaron a video or that Aaron a video that video of Aaron <laughs> shooting that Audad. Oh yeah, I'm going. I don't know how far away that was, but wasn't far. It didn't look far. I, I don't think. Like, yeah, I haven't talked to him since he did it, but 
I was just like, that's that's pretty dang awesome, you yeah, know, that's for sure. Freaking cool. There's not a lot of guys that have done that, so no. it's it's cool. I'm just jealous. It just makes makes me want to get out and kill something even more. So like Well, said, time's coming. Yeah. So it's coming soon. But all right, Matt. Well, thanks and uh and I'll uh I'm sure you'll be back on again for too long. So Yep. We'll get out of here. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundertalkak.com. And uh, if you can leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, that would be awesome. Thank you.